chain of LOI Weekly with myself, John Ward and Dan McDonald. Uh, still in lockdown mode we are, but this show is uh, fairly bumper to bumper and a lot of it will uh, revolve around Dan's top 50 League of Ireland players this century, which was in the Irish Indo last week and came to a conclusion that uh, bizarrely enough seemed to have pretty much universal um, approval in Joy and Doe winning it. But we're going to have Conan Byrne on, who had, of course, his own list on social media in terms of League of Ireland players sort of in your lifetime. And then two of the players who made Dan's top 10, uh, Stephen O'Donnell and Paddy McCourt, going to be on for the latter sort of third or so of the show. Um, so we've plenty on, and we've uh, we've heard a bit of um, you know good reaction to these long podcasts, and we weren't on last week. Lukey Byrne saying the longer the better, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there you go. Um, mm. It's... Uh, we're still here, you know, I assume most people are, are, are listening to this podcast in the same place they listen to our, our lockdown ones, you know. Um, mm. you, a lot of people probably had, out on their walks or whatever. Out on their walks, exactly, you know. I know you people who are aware of your social media activity, you've got animals to feed and tend to and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's strange, like it's, it's naturally... Um, naturally like you you sort of hear a lot about uh people have uh, it's a bit like you speak to people in in new year's and the last how was your christmas mm. you know and it's the same sort of discussion you have now it's like you know how, how's lockdown for you you know mm. and there's obviously a real contrast inversion between i've spoken to some people who now really embrace country living yeah uh, and are very grateful for the fact they live in the country and i maybe think that uh, rural living will become more attractive to a lot of people um after this to be honest if you can work remotely and do stuff in the garden and just live live rurally, to be honest. Yeah, anyway. whereas people in sort of maybe apartment blocks who, who you know, love living close to the city centre and it would have been me up until last year, you know, uh, there are obviously just massive benefits from that in like a modern, busy city, you know. What pub do you miss the most? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. I, I was actually trying to think, you know, uh, again, I'm not. We're we're we're, all, we're obviously all in a lighthearted mm. mode here. We know there's, there's very good reasons why pubs aren't open and, and people are struggling. But <clears throat> how much would you pay? Like, what, what, pint, like what's what markup would you reject? Like, if you went in to say, even if it was your local pub and it was your favourite pub, but they tried to charge you twelve quid for a pint, right? And it was your first pint, and you're in isolation. Like, you know, you're not. It's not overly congested because people are losing the run of themselves. Like, what's the what's the threshold that you would think now you're 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 ripping me off there? Yeah, it's a good question. Like I think after two points, you realise you were being sort of done. Like I mean, twenty four quid for two points, and now you remember what it was like all along, and you're like, ah, oh, it is good. Like, but you know, it wasn't quite like as exciting as I thought it would like, be. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't mind going home and having a few drinks <laughs> on Zoom with like people in Canada I haven't talked to in ages. Like you know? I can I can I can drink that craft stout that costs like five fifty. Yeah, you know. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, this is, I can't hear anyone here, and I can't <laughs> mute myself if I want yeah. to. Uh, what, what if I just want to go to the toilet and like you uh, know. Um, well you've been very busy as Um, well which is I must say in terms of lockdown you are one of the fortunate ones in that you've been kept very busy by work yeah no listen there's no doubt hugely so Um, and I know obviously you know sports shutdown is a bad news story and the longer it goes on you know it's it's obviously more of a struggle but I mean unfortunately like this news cycle about when will games come back what will happen what are we doing 
like there is stuff going on all the time. There's meetings all the time about well, what we're going to do. There's not just say in League of Ireland level, but UEFA level to do with Ireland games. We've had the Stephen Kenny appointment. We've had um, you know various other domino effects of of that. So there probably has been quite a lot going on. There actually has been, and you know, sport is probably it's still it's obviously very much caught up in the in the story of the overall crisis it's not the most important thing by any stretch but there's still people's livelihoods at stake so it's obviously very stressful for them but also as well people are probably going to sport coverage at times for a bit of uh, escapism too mm, and, definitely uh, yeah. you know a bit of nostalgia you know did a piece on St Francis Bowes uh, I like uh, Gary Doyle's one as well about uh, Roddy and Kaiser Stouten yeah. loads of stuff I totally forgotten like the St Francis thing was obviously I was a kid and uh Great story that they came back to Francis Street afterwards, which is obviously just beside where you used to live and very near where I yeah, live yeah. now on that. Like. Yeah, I've got a real feel for that Francis story, possibly because I, I lived around the area for so long, albeit many years after, mm. but, you know, chatting to the people. But, but then as well, I mean, obviously you mentioned this the top 50 list as well, which was an idea that um, wasn't my idea initially. It was someone in the office thought about it. And I've sort of, you know, I've, I've sort of... Uh, conflicting views on lists to some degree, you know, because there is... Did you watch no the movie Schindler's way. List? Schindler's List, yeah. Three hours of it. Different type of list. Mm. That was a list that everyone really wanted to be on. Mm. Um, but <laughs> they want to be on this list as well, then. Some people did want to be on this list. I have the same life and death matter for some of them. Tossing and turning, like, beside your wife in bed. Where like put McElhenney? No. I got... I should point out, because, like... The top 50s out there, and uh, not everyone would have would have read the list as such. I wouldn't have necessarily read the explanations, and um, you know, it was in the paper. It's it's over the paywall, so some people wouldn't necessarily have, have read it. They might have seen versions of numbers and thought, well, what you know, what was it somewhere? Colin Healy's only like 43. So I'm not saying he's the 40, like 42 other players were better than him. There was obviously other criteria. What if you give the 50 players 50 to one, and I give a one-word answer and an appraisal of their ability? You have to give a one. No, you have to give one-word answer to each one. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that in a second. But I was right. going to say that unrehearsed. Yeah. One player. No, we haven't even planned this at all, and this is going to kill our time. But hey, listen, if you're cleaning the garage mm. or whatever, <laughs> it's all good. Um, but look, one player didn't get in touch with me afterwards and said because I did. Look, I did. I wasn't just off the top of the head. Look, I spoke to a lot of players. Um, you know, some by text and then some long phone calls, just getting their opinions on people and people I wasn't sure about and whatnot and uh, I had a contact from a player afterwards saying yeah you know good job on the list or whatever you know best of luck repairing all the relationships you've now destroyed you know and uh, speaking of which what about Fabio well I mean he was a little bit on call for not putting him in the top 50 listen uh well, what do you mean was on call for not putting him in the top 50 but um well no we'll, we'll move on we'll move on to that briefly but why don't you your top 50 we keep getting distracted right mm. but um the uh the whole point of it is is that like it was it was obviously a hard thing to do and there is there was no perfect way of doing it. So I did try and factor in. Uh, it wasn't just a set about ability. It was a bit about longevity. What did they win? You know, how do you weigh up one brilliant season against you know uh, one long term? So you know, players have had long term service. How do you deal with say our future international stars? You can't mark them up on the basis of what they can. But at the same time, if Everton came to sign Seamus Coleman, he must have been doing some serious yeah. stuff. And, I wanted to speak to people who played against him, and you know, I said I'll, you know, I'll, I'll mention a player maybe with the lads, but you know, one player, Adam, and he was the best he played against, you know. And I, 
they've obviously been judged right by time. But even the likes of Alan Bennett, Roy O'Donovan, um, you know, quite a few players in the 2000s went to Premier League clubs, you know, current Premier League clubs or clubs are about to be promoted. Whereas obviously I've mentioned that in recent years, it's more championship and, and even some of those have found it harder. So that would make you think that the form in racing terms of the 2000s might have been deemed to be stronger at that stage. What about Fabio's backlash? Fabio's backlash. Um, I like you know, sort of, being back in them. Well, I, no, like, I, I got a lot of response from, from people, like, you know, in fairness, like, you know, the, the nature of it, the nature of this debate is that you know, fans of particular clubs who will say, oh, what about this player and that player? And like, I said, I really struggled. I did a piece on, on Saturday mentioning a number of players who would have been pretty close. Um, you know, and, and like, once I can only name 50 more, and mm. like, Gavin Pierce come up a lot. And, I think Gavin Pierce probably ticked a lot of the categories, like you know, the long spell at Sligo. He won a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, he was a good standard through. Probably Gavin Pierce, you know, I could definitely accept the criticism. Imagine if you did like a one. top 10 managers and you'd have Dulo. Stop taking me in completely different tangents and completely different ways, right? Kind of wind you up here. Um, Greg Bulger would have been one that would have definitely been. He wasn't been, happy. Been got, a, got a text from the big man today saying to, saying to what the. What the hell were you thinking? Well, it's probably private text message, John. I'm sure he'll appreciate you uh, you wearing that. I mean, Greg would have been very close he to it. He was taken. Uh, and he should have been on it now, I have to say. And then, you know, Neil Fenn, like, you know, great player. Graham Burke, who played for Ireland while he was in the league. Sean Williams was one. Uh, Raf Gattaro. Like, all these names come up. And then, of course, the fans of particular clubs who have mentioned particular players, you know, and... Uh, Christy Fagan and Pats, like a top player, you know, one, I think he won all the domestic community. Then a couple of draw the comments on Fabio and Declan O'Brien as well, who I mentioned on Saturday, mm. like absolutely uh, a top career within the league. But I did get a message from him, all right. Uh, I'll actually pull it up. Uh, it was on. This is, this is Fabio. Yeah, it was, well, I was tagged in it, but it was in response to, um, it was in response to someone whose tweets are protected. So I didn't get to see the initial message that was said. But I did get to see the response. Some top players missed the cut, I see. I don't think Dan's opinion carries much weight, so I won't lose much sleep over being left out, pal. Uh, smiley face, of thumbs up. Grammatical mistakes there as well. I think. Ah, no, don't be petty, John. Yeah. Um, smiley face, thumbs up, and a picture of a football. Um, so it was obviously it was addressed to someone else, but for some reason I was tagged in it. Um, uh, but, but the main thing to know is that he obviously wasn't losing any sleep over this. Mm-hmm. Which was the, the key point that they came across. Uh, Alice, I mean, uh, he's entitled to his opinion um, about himself. Like the, the the point is that like I he's he's uh, like well yeah you think about it, he's had a very good career in the league. You know he, he was mentioned on Saturday, good European run for Pat's particularly actually his, his Pat's run was was excellent. Greg Boulder had memories of him as well, of course. Yeah, well, I mean. He, he would have, like, obviously divided uh, opinion as a pundit, perhaps. Mm. He, you know? he was impeccably uh, well dressed. But like, we're not, well. we're not, like, we're not, we're not setting scores here, John. Like, mm. like the fact is, next like, liars. Like, the only, uh, I mean, the only fact is, like, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's not bothered by it. Yeah. So, like, exactly. He's absolutely not. Let's move he's, on. He's, he's, he's clearly not remotely bothered by this in any way. So, so we, um, ironically, Greg Bulger and Fabio are the two who I know. We're we're uh, we're very unhappy. Although Greg, was well, I did, I did, I did, but I did, but I did point out that, like, uh, you know, I should hand back my wages, which I think was obviously <laughs> a, a Fabio dig at uh, Greg Bulger at one point. But like, you know, I, I actually, 
See, the difficulty with these lists is why I don't like doing them is that I always would be of the view that like, I can completely understand why I've, I've never had an issue really with players having a dismissive view of a journalist's opinion because like anyone who's played Absolutely. at a good level, like, you know, at any, any half decent level, like the dedication, the commitment they put in, like I, I'm not a big fan of saying, oh, that player's shit or that player's that. And it's obviously a big debate. I like, couldn't agree you know, if more. You've tried, if you've tried to play football to any, uh, to any level, like you accept like how good these guys are and they've dedicated their whole life to it. I know myself, if I, if I was to say put an article out and some you know, trainee journalist or something, I'd pick and falls with, with style. I, I'd probably develop a bit of an mm. attitude about it as well. So like you have to, you have to accept it that, that players, like, you know, there's always, one of the great things about the job, and I always say to people as well, don't get too caught up in adulation over people saying it's a good piece or that. Like a lot of people's, uh, you know, appreciation of journalism, uh, particularly when we're within football, is that if the piece is nice about them, they think it's good mm. journalism, like a great piece, you know. It could be the worst piece of all time. But, if it, but if, it, uh, if, it, if it reflected their opinion or portrayed them in a favourable light, uh, they're generally quite well disposed towards it. So, yeah, I can understand why uh, he wouldn't place too much... Can we uh, get to the top 50? ...in the opinion. But, uh, you know... Yeah. We all, we all, listen, again. you know, we all we all have we all have opinions. I mean, mm. he did also tip Bowes to be relegated last year, you know. So imagine, there you go. imagine if he tipped Rovers win the league. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I mean, predictions last year were a thing. They were. You know? <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> His one slipped under the radar somewhere relative <laughs> to, uh, to yours. But uh, now, nah, listen, great career within the league. But um, I would argue that possibly other strikers were more unlucky. Mm. Um, now. Top 50. So your, your one-word description of each one would be... Well, I, I, had, I put Stephen Rice at 50. Uh, uh, workman-like. 49, Ender Stevens. Developer. 48, McElhenney. Talent. <laughs> 47, Eamon Zaid. Confident. 46, Paulo Zam. Legend. 45, Brian Shelley. Tenacious. This, uh, 44, Mark Quigley. Quigley. Oh. <laughs> Colin Healy, 43. Uh, inspirational. Yeah, Healy, but, like, Healy didn't win a league. He, he had, like, what a player. Ins- inspirational figure. And just probably... Yeah. You know, ah, listen, different I'll, gravy I'll, as well I'll, in his I'll, in talent. I'll, I'll take the criticism on that one, definitely. Uh, Michael Duffy, 42, winger. <laughs> okay, that's his position. Could we have a, <laughs> <laughs> and Crickle was his name. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, but really sums him up there. Have, I mean, I've, I've, is, had no, I've had no backlog. This is why we should have this is why we should have production meetings. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, why haven't we no done? We've like, tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, David Ford, keeper, Gal, you know. Galwegian. Galwegian. This, <laughs> this is horrendous. Right, let's get back to describing them as, as players. Daryl Murphy was 40. Uh, improver. Improver, yeah. Chris Forrester, 39. You've already used talent for someone else. You're going to find different ways of saying things. Uh, a good word for him. Uh, laconic. Oh, 
Okay. Languid, sorry, languid. You should channel your inner Pat Dolan for some of this. Aye. Thirty-eight, George O'Callaghan. King. King. <laughs> Thirty-seven, <laughs> Gary Rogers. Uh, pro. Pro. Thirty-six. John, I, Jonathan, I had a big John O'Flynn. Like, mm. like, I don't know how other strikers would feel about O'Flynn, but O'Flynn at his peak was excellent. He just didn't, he had a couple of injuries which held him up. O'Flynn in the early 2000s was sensational, I thought. But, um, um, uh, maybe like he, his career, he spent, he, he spent his late 20s and early 30s in England, you know? Uh, Marksman. Maximum again, veering into just description of his job territory. We have another 33 um, to go there. <laughs> 35, Peter Hutton, pizza, pizza. And this is this, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Uh, 34, Killian Brennan, uh, uh, baller, baller. 33, Mac Farren, legend, legend. We've had that. Uh, 32, Patrick Hoban, Hoban. Oh. Confident. Confident. Have you had that already? Yeah, I can use it. I can't even You could have gone for a mate with that one. <laughs> uh, or maybe not. 31, Andy Boyle. <laughs> Andy Boyle. Um, solid. <laughs> solid, okay. It's a bit like saying someone's got a nice personality, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit damning. What's the new partner like? <laughs> Personality, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah, he's more than that, Andy Boyle. Yeah, we only had one word. He's your thirty, Roy O'Donovan. Expensive, expensive. Jesus, uh, 30, 29 We've already had legend and we've already had talent. And I got a few, few dairy fans like Liam. Listen, the whole point is Liam Coyle is thirty. Think of your word. You need to think of your word. The whole point is that. It was on the basis of what Liam Coyle did in the 2000s alone. So why he mm. did in the 90s couldn't count. Same for, same for, uh, for Peter Hutton. Same even for, you know, Mark Kenny or Ozam. Like Ozam actually had one league win in the or or didn't have one league win as everyone at Shelburne would point out. But he had one dominant season in the 2000s. But that, that's the whole point. Eddie Gormley, John Bray in 2000. So Tony Sheridan, Stephen Gagan played into the 2000s. But mm. anyway. Uh, 90s work didn't count, so that's why Liam Coyle is 29 and not one. So, Liam Coyle, your word, please. Genius. Genius, yeah. Good, good use of word. 28, Richie Ryan. Big fan of Richie Ryan. Baller. You've had baller? Yeah. Uh, just player. Proper player. Proper player. Player. Le- <laughs> uh, Person. We'll, we'll say, we'll say uh, le- lefty, then. Lefty. <laughs> uh, he, actually, here we go, Dan. Sorry, conductor. Conductor, okay. I, I mean, player is definitely... Yeah, well, he's, he's, a he's a player, human. 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 Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> not, not all of them, I'll John. be given lockdown <laughs> as an answer soon. <laughs> 27, Alan Bennett. Bennett. Um, <laughs> Alan Bennett, pro. We've had pro. Yeah. Um, rock. Okay. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Twenty six, James McLean. Republican. Okay. Republican. Okay, not really relevant to his football ability, <laughs> but now not, you're just not, saying not, not you're entirely seeing. not relevant either. Fiery, you could have gone for <laughs> yeah. twenty five. Joe Gamble. Fiery himself. See, I, I, I'm, 
I'm I'm a bit kind of betwixt and between on Gamble, how good he was. I found it, you know what, that's an interesting one because I had to speak to a few people. I think I had him initially in too lateral in his play. Like he was ten or fifteen. You reminded me of Roy Keane in ways, but like he just didn't do enough on the ball, I thought. Maybe it's it's one of those that the teammates just appreciated it. Like 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 the fact is, you know, he was he was about to be paid like Mm. the biggest contract in the history of the league, Mm -hmm. basically. So he was obviously now I know that you know, that money then is probably the equivalent to half that money now, if you get me. Um, hard. But hard. Mm. Okay. Go definitely hard. That. Uh, 24, Dan Murray. Um, leader? Leader, yeah. Murray's an interesting one that I, um, a few people mentioned, that one in particular who would have been involved in teams that played against them a lot said, you know, that they'd always uh, see in a team talk there'd always be this feeling that yeah we can get after Murray you know we can we can we can get at him today because maybe he didn't have like wasn't outstandingly quick say or whatever but they could find he would never really play, never have a bad game against I was actually know, like wa- watching the the partisan game back just his positional yeah. sense and uh, he did, actually didn't look out of place at all at yeah, all no listen and you know the two leagues the two years he was at Rovers they won the league both mm. years you know um Right, 23, Brian Murphy. I'd say, I actually think he could be the best keeper I've seen in the League of Ireland. Should I go um, for one word, please? Um, Somers. Somers. Mm. <laughs> Not like Somers as in something, but like at the peak. This has now turned Somers. into that more, this is the harder crossword puzzle. You start the crossword with a couple of points, but then when you get to this one, that's nah, like, nah, nah. I don't know which one is the more difficult crossword. Uh, like generally you have the long one and then you have the more direct dominant. one line. Yeah, yeah. Dominant. dominant. He was a top keeper. Yeah. Fairness. Didn't play enough. Alan Manis, Steve Williams, mm. you know. Yeah, probably hard done by. 22, Gary Twig. Scorer. Scorer, yeah. Basically, I think we didn't go for Scott. 21, Stewie Byrne. Stewie Byrne, angry. Angry. I'm angry, Tony. Yes, <laughs> that's the first one that comes to mind. Right, the top 20 then, we had from 20. Our producer, so, producer's getting a bit annoyed here at my, my responses, but let's go anyway. James Coleman. Well, the producer should have called a meeting to discuss this, to be honest. This, uh, iconic. Iconic, Seamus Coleman. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably discuss this later on, but, like, you know, I understand why on the criteria people might think he's too high, but then for some, he like, definitely had the best career. What a career. Possibly the best right back in the Premier League. But it's not meant to be about career Mm. as well. But I guess what I'm saying is that clearly his ability was was exceptional, but, you know, we weren't seeing him every week in in the mainstream because he was with a mid-table team at the time, Mm. you know. Um, 19 the, the highest placed current player and actually like no not sorry, the highest placed current player the only player to be on the basis of one season um, but the reason I put Jack Byrne in at 19 was play for Ireland while in the league and also Europe is a big thing I mean he, he was involved in a lot of big moments for Rovers and also he's just an exceptional talent and I've spoken to people who said they haven't played against anyone as good so that's why I put Jack Byrne at 19 your word John different different we like that, I think. 18, Ollie Cal. Speedy. Speedy. 17, Sean Gannon. 
Dependable. Dependable. You're getting better now. You're, you're, it's, feel like, it's feel like you've just stumbled onto a dictionary. At some I wish point, I had the list you? here in front of me so I'd know yeah. in advance. Go on. 16, Colin Hawkins. You've taken Galwegian. Powerhouse. Powerhouse. 15, Kevin Doyle. Again, hard to assess. Like, you know, Kevin Doyle and someone else I'll mention, they both probably. Progressive. Big, yeah, big. That's a racing term, John. Mm. We'll, we'll take it. Go play the big. Like Wouldn't have been outstanding two year old, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd appreciate that as a horseman, mm. of course. Yes. Um, yes. 14, Chris Shields. Uh, I have I have the word um I have the word you, you don't I do said one it. sec um uh, as I said the kick off my line on him was no player has undergone a bigger transformation mm, I think that's probably he will be the biggest improver surely you know, uh, yeah Im- yeah Jesus like Jesus, that's a, that's, yeah. that's, that's a big one. Yeah, well, I think I'll on. have to say, yeah, yeah. Jesus, okay. <laughs> 13, Ronald Finn. Um, energy. Energy, yeah. It's, and stamina, really, he's last, mm. last of the course. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about Ronald Finn is he was involved in the two Europa League runs. And he, like, he was a big player for both Roberts and Dundalkin each of those years. Actually, De- Deceiver is the one with Shields. Deceiver? Mm. In what Just sense? You trust him? Everyone thought he was bang average and it turns out he's he was, not only did he do in the league, but he could go toe-to-toe with like proper midfielders. For, I think you're looking for deceptive. Deceiver would suggest that he's someone who deliberately commits acts that would be... We go deceptive then. Go for deceptive, I think. Johnny uh, Maguire, 12. Jeez, uh, five-yard pace. Uh, poacher. Poacher. I was. You're taking you this long to use poacher. Is that it's it? Sort of right. Eleven. Richie Towle. Richie Towle was a funny player for me because I I didn't have as much love for him as everyone else. Um, <laughs> he just did the job though. Uh, postman. He always delivered. <laughs> Postman. Postman. You know, I'll discuss Tyler in more detail later on. Uh, 10, Daryl Horgan, which for me, I think the reason Horgan was 10. Dynamic. And, uh, dynamic, yeah. Like that 2016 run, he played well against Bate, Maccabi, Alkmaar. Zenith. Um, you know, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Like he, he was, you know, big moments in the best European run of, the, of our time. Um, and that's why for me he was top ten. For others, he he wouldn't have been. And uh, but yeah, I, I've I've I've. Uh, yeah, he was. No, no, you you you. Have you've I used conductor? Your, you've lost your one word. Uh, conductor. I think you've had conductor. Uh, thematic. He he basically ran the game. He was the team. Thematic. Your final answer, just to be clear, is thematic. thematic. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Hunt, the th- thematic ex-Bohemians midfielder. I, I'll always remember Kevin Hunt for Barry's uh, roaring in the stand. Hunt him down, Kevin. <laughs> so uh, thematic anyway for Barry there. Thematic, okay. Eight, Stevie O'Donnell. Guest in the show later on. Um, skipper. Skipper. Again, 
almost his job in terms mm. of a territory. Not always a skipper, though. But After weakness, you put down eczema. <laughs> okay, I will let that pass. I mean, skipper does in, in some way symbolize something. Uh, seven, Keith Fahey. Uh, uh, no, I can't say different again. Um, just sensational. Sensational. Six, Jason Byrne. Goals. Goals. Five, Paddy McCourt. Also coming up in the show today. Pelly. Pele, okay. It was the Derry Pele. Um, Derry what? Pele. Derry Pele, wasn't he? <laughs> More Pele than Pele. Sorry, Pele. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Four, Wes Hulahan. Diminutive. Yeah. You should have gone for Playmaker. You haven't really used mm. Playmaker. I think uh, I might have time yet, do I? You might, yeah. Three, Owen Heary. See, this is dependable again. Uh, performer just never played a bad game what about relentless son relentless, relentless yeah two Glen Crow Demon 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 in the I box and by the way one. Dan before so just that that Gary Doyle piece there was a clip of the game I, I'd actually forgotten how always missed great chances in that game at 1-0 yeah. like, and Roddy was saying if we, if we got 2-0 I genuinely I think he's right Bowles just could people have haven't read the piece John it's the Kaiser Stetton mm. game away in, in the, the European run where the I watched that in a pub in the Navin Road and I think it was the only place shown the game in Dublin and uh, what a night I know it, was, it went out but unbelievable crack yeah that was the, that was the bow, that was a good bow side again they were 2000-2001 territory you could have you know, some of those players, well, I mean, Hunt is, listen, top three players all played for Bowes, I guess, at different times. In fact, Bowes are heavily represented across the top 10 in terms of people who played for them. And number one, did, did that Joey and Doe, your word for Joey and world Doe. World class. Your word for Joey and Doe? Uh, world class. Is that even one and word? No, it's not. It's not. Then we go with best. Best. There yeah. you go. Just, that was be best. That was a better yeah, idea when it started. That was a better idea about two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have guests. If you're still, if you're still with us, uh, you know the way they track, like uh, you know the the click rate and whatever. So the the podcast kind of retention rate of guests is just like literally collapsed. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone very low. Well. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I will just say we'll, we'll get to we'll get to our guests now. The re- I mean, Joey and Doe for me was one again because people haven't met all the citations and the pieces. And like, there's a lot of flaws, obviously, with how you, you put it all together. But uh, and Joey and Doe ticked all the boxes for me because he had the success because he won leagues with three different clubs and he won three FBI Cups with Sligo. And, you know, he played in Europe and at a good level. Red Bull, Salzburg for both. One year he was exceptional. He had longevity in the sense that the same, same thing, I guess. You know, he, he spent a good portion of his career, including like the prime of his career. Like he'd already been involved in two World Cups before he came here. And didn't have this thing where he was brilliant for three seasons and went away. Now, I know uh, he had spells of clubs that didn't work out. Pats, you know, Pats fans probably wouldn't recall him fondly. Brief spell at Rovers, you nearly forget it happened. Um, but uh, Shamrock Rovers, that is. I mean, Sligo Rovers, obviously, he's, he's an icon. But he had that. And also, I think an important thing for number one, probably, he had that sort of wow factor that 
people who play against them speak about him in this sort of reverential terms, including very good players themselves. And he was the one that, like, I, I contacted so loads of people and said, just give me three names. I didn't want them to give me your 50. And he always came up. No, give me your 20 or whatever. Like, the one or two didn't mention him, but funny, one or two that wouldn't have mentioned him would have been away in that sort of 06 to sort of 12, 13 window where he was probably at his best. And like, I will mention it, but I want to ask our guests about the difference between the leagues at various times, because I think it was probably a bit stronger in the 2000s in terms of strength and depth at the top end, but obviously it was good European success, better European success in terms of lengthy runs towards more recent times. And what we did have, and the one thing you can actually be critical is that um, the league did obviously have a massive recession, mm. uh, you know, around... 2010, 2011, a lot of players retired, a lot of players took, um, you know, would have taken sort of packages, you know, availed of sort of tax rates. So probably some players with very good careers who, who actually the career finished earlier, like even a Simon Webb and people like that, you know, you know, thinking like Shane Robinson who then came back, but people who whose, whose careers ended earlier than it might have at other times. And that's what is almost a split, whereas Joe almost straddles the two, you know, he was involved in that Shells team, but he was still doing sort of, you know, doing pretty good things when the league was starting to pick up a bit. Although, around 2012 when Sligo won the league, I mean, um, Drada were second that year. I don't want to offend Drada again, actually. Sorry. But, you know, mm. it wasn't it wasn't a, wasn't a necessarily a vintage time. Yeah. But, um, you just couldn't but get go. the ball off him. Just couldn't get the ball off him. Like, he, couldn't get the ball off He was exceptional. But, I mean, like, Crow, Boy, Crow, Jason Byrne didn't come up as much with, with people, even though, like, his record, he scored more goals than Crow. Who would be the best at um, doing impersonations in the league? Because it would be him and Greg O'Halloran would be well up there anyway. Greg O'Halloran, yeah. yeah. Greg O'Halloran's done he can, he can sing opera. Premium stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I think Jason would be high up there. What about Probably, Paddy Kirk? Uh, Paddy, oh, Paddy Kirk. What about that? I uh, mean... Like, took the world by storm this week. There was someone that said it to me before that he was Dave Tandy on the mm. piano. I can't remember who was saying it. Was it you just don't expect a left back in the League of Ireland to be proficient at the piano? Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, mm. you know, it's, a, it's a niche position, mm. you know, so they've, they've got sort of certain skills. But uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think even one of the websites just put him up as like Rahini's Paddy Carr. Ah, that was the Dublin uh, Live thing or something. Yeah. I was just like, I mean, where is yeah. like, I mean, now that's. That's bad journalism. But like, that is bad it journalism. Is. I can, I can have, I, I'd have, I'd have issues with that. Even if it were um, the intern. You've missed the story. Yeah, mm. you've missed the story. But um, yeah, listen, I mean, the, the, the list was fun. Like the, the feedback was fun. There's no right or wrong answers. Do you reckon then Bows just like, because Bows are so um, kind of, they're such sluts for publicity that they probably told Paddy, can you just become a really good piano player so we can get a bit of PR during the old coronavirus? Well, no, my, my feeling now is that there's some poor Shamrock Rovers somewhere, Shamrock Rovers player somewhere sat in a room with like a violin <laughs> and, a, and a YouTube video. And it's just kind of figuring... <laughs> Under <sighs> North Korea type like pressure. Why do we, two <laughs> weeks have, two why weeks. Do we have to do... We want something. In a couple of weeks, they're just going to be... Uh, there's going to be a horrible recital involving some poor Rovers player with like, uh, you know... The, uh, the, the, the there's a PR department looking. We need this. We, we can't have this. You know, what Rovers player is going to step up to the mark? Yeah, I'm sure they've already been asked. What talents mm. do they have? But, um, right, let's get to our first guest. Our We're now joined by Glenavon's Conan Byrne, who of course uh, compiled a very very interesting list uh, via Twitter of his top ten players that played uh, in the League of Ireland, and they came up with actually the same answer as Dan, which was Joey Undo. But Conan, how are you getting on? How is lockdown treating you? 
Yeah, it's good, Johnny. Yeah, it's good. That yeah. isn't. It isn't. Come on, it's crap. No, it's actually very good. I'm spending a lot of time at home, which I'm not used to. So, um, with my football career and my teaching career, so look, I have to take the positives out of everything. And uh, yeah, I actually am really enjoying it. You've young kids and you have your missus there. Obviously, there is family time. And I suppose in a serious note, this is something that uh, was denied players to a large extent in certain circumstances that have families, particularly the older players. And maybe it's time for you to kind of appreciate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the long uh, this virus could retire me. Um, and that's the way I'm kind of looking at it at the moment. Um, I can't see us getting back anytime soon. Um, and you kind of just have to appreciate what, what I suppose, what the career I had, and, and that's what I have been doing over the last couple of couple of weeks. Looking back, God. Dan, this sounds like another League of Ireland retirement special episode. Ah, it's not. <laughs> Behave yourself, Dan. Behave yourself. Uh, no, actually, no. I was talking to a player. Sorry, I was talking to a player though about you know the the options for the clubs, and some clubs kind of a little bit reluctant that football returns if it means this or that but it is quite sad that if, if football doesn't return this year you're literally talking about quite a lot of players that's it they're done oh, oh yeah absolutely um, and like obviously with the players cap on you want you want to get back as soon as possible but it's just I don't think it's it's realistic at the moment especially with the document that came out yesterday um, I think there's a lot of nuts and, nuts and crannies that they're going to have to, to, to fix in order for it to the football to, to start again there's a load of things that's going to have to be done. Um, I wasn't particularly pleased with some of the points that they made in their in their in the document yesterday, but look, that's for another day, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, we're all looking for escapism as much as anything, and I think like the the, the the new story will develop, and you know we'll probably have people listening to this in a week's time or two weeks' time, and at least we have tried to fill the gap somewhat by doing lists and reflections and looking back in our time. So so the list that you did, Conan, was slightly different, right? So you you put it out there on the, the social media, Twitter sphere for people to name the top 10 players they'd seen in their time. And they're the top 10 players in their t- that they'd seen in the league. And so there wasn't necessarily a time frame on it from 2000 to 2020. It included all time, but quite naturally, a lot of younger people using the medium. So it was probably more weighted towards you know, what they've seen and what they experienced. But it must have been good fun putting it all together because you've got a hell of a range of responses from all sorts of people. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, to be totally honest. Um, and I had to do up a bit of big Excel sheet that I didn't think I, I thought I'd be able to do it just on a, on a piece of paper in front of me. But it just wasn't possible. I got about 600, 700 replies from people on, on Twitter. It was a great response. And I suppose it's, it, it does show the amount of people that do want to engage um, with each other during this time because it is it is difficult for everybody um, but yeah it was different I did all time League of Ireland um, their best 10 um, but I did I, I was very interested in yours then obviously in the last 20 years your top 50 and I've I, I managed to in the last 24 hours just put together the top 50 from the last 20 years from what the Twitter poll would have suggested Ooh, right. so, um, that's interesting yeah so very very similar. Obviously, number one was the same. And um, if you want to go through some of some of it, Jeb, go for it. Give us, give us your top twenty. Give us your top twenty, maybe. Well, the top twenty from the from the last uh, twenty years, obviously, was um, Joey and Doe was number one. Started like, twenty there. You're you're building up the wrong way here. Give us want a bit to go of suspense. Twenty down. A bit of suspense. Okay, no give problem. Give us a bit of the suspense. Yeah. Um, 20, anyway. twenty was Mark Wiggy. 
um, 19. And a little bit of a brief chat about each player as well. Mark ah, Johnny, 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 let's, no, let's, let's do it after. Let's do it after. Right, go on. I actually <laughs> met Mark Quigley after uh, the PFAI Awards, the last one, and I didn't recognise him. His clobber was so uh, out there. What a character. Oh, anyway. it's outrageous. It's brilliant. Uh, Owen Heary at 19. Killian Brennan at 18. Stephen O'Donnell, which surprised me, is only at 17. Um, Paulo Sam, 16. Sean Maguire, 15. Eddie Gormley, 14. Daryl Horgan, 13. Richie Tell, 12. Gary Twig, 11. I just want to stop you there, right? So if you're at 11. The, the big one that stuck out to me there, Dan, was Heary, who figured so highly on your list. Yeah, well, see, that, I think that's the difference between the categories. Like, in many respects, like, if I, I would have waited a, a large degree towards also trophies and achievements as well as, like, only Heary wouldn't be... Like, you know, he's not, he's not someone that springs to mind as maybe one of the best players they've ever seen in terms of achievement and, you know, sorry, in terms of entertainment as such. But he's like a serial winner. Um, and that's why I didn't want it just to be an ability list. It was more of an overall list. But obviously then there's some people in there like um, who wouldn't have had amazing ability, but they're iconic figures in their own way. Like someone like Gary Quigg, is it, who, Gary Twig, sorry, who like... Um, really really good player but he's almost an iconic figure within the league rather than someone who you know for what he did rather than being a an off-the-seat entertainer like some of the others if you get me you know there's obviously a difference between uh, what people have seen now Paulo Zan was obviously mentioned that Conan would probably have quite a few Pats fans following him I'd say as well which would probably give him give give Ozo and Eddie Gormley a, a like two absolute legends uh, and two also brilliant players as well who I was lucky to see uh, and as were you Johnny but maybe people who are I don't know, 20, 25 now, I wouldn't have necessarily seen them in their pomp, you know, but um, like it, this is the overlap. Like I wanted to try and bring in some achievement, but you're going to lose, you know, what do you do with some of the players that have got loads of ability, but didn't win as much as well. So it's, it's a real balancing act, but we'll let Conan go on with his top 10. Let Conan go on with his top 10. And we'll go on. As, yeah, just, just as well on that Conan, um, how biased are these things towards your position? Because it would say some people find it easy to score goals, but wouldn't it be handy or right? But I would argue that the positions that are most tougher, sort of central midfield, um, scoring goals, maybe even wingers, whereas the likes of a right back, and Owen Heary was a proper right back now. I don't think he would have been out, but he played right back. And I guess that kind of counts against him in a poll like yours as well. Yeah, and similarly to, to Sean Gannon. Sean Gannon's probably going to be our most successful player to ever play. League of Ireland by the time it ends he's already on seven league titles he's got six PFAI Team of the Year awards in a row um, and he only figured 25 on my list and he was on, on 17 on, on Dan so yeah. um, just could he probably are going to be our most successful player to ever play um, but yeah like there is notable omissions from both top 50s um, yeah. in Birmingham at left back probably Danny Murphy Cork and Gary McCabe who's who's been forgotten about he wasn't even mentioned in my um, nobody even put him down as a vote on my uh, my polo this right. I have to admit now I'd, for, I'd nearly forgotten about Gary until you said it and it's it's almost when you go through it the range of players because like I'll, I'll discuss in a minute some of the players that I wanted to include in the 50 and you would have played with a couple of them but um, you know sort of Bulger and, and Christy Fagan and a couple of that Fabio you know, sort of rest, you know, and Birmingham like, Birmingham was obviously yeah, Birmingham was obviously another one as well and, and how do you balance long service over people who had outstanding seasons and that's part of the consistency means you're taken for granted sometimes in a way you know it's like the Dennis Irwin mm. syndrome like Dennis Irwin to me is like 
one of Ireland's greatest ever footballers, yet the whole debate will always centre around, you know, naturally, you know, Keane, Brady, Giles, you know, Duff, match winners, you know, whereas Aaron, like, Jesus, the standard he lived at was unbelievable. But let's, let's hear Conan's top 10. We'll go into the broader broader debate after that. Yeah, well, top 10, um, 10 was Glenn Crow, and uh, 9 was Tony Sheridan, 8 was Dixon Byrne, 7, Liam Coyle, 6, Kevin Hunt, 5, Jack Byrne, 4, Wes Hulham, 3, Keith Fahey, 2, Paddy McCourt, and 1, Joseph Ndow. Yeah, it's quite a list. I mean, see, that's the entertainer. Like, your top 10 is entertainers, right? I mean, that's sort of the... It's an entertainers list. And, I mean, where do you rank the entertainers? And I, like, what I've found has been really funny. I've had so much feedback since putting my one out there. And, like, some people... And this is footballers, because as part of it, I spoke to a lot of ex-players, you know, and good long chats with people. Some was over text, some was on the phone. And it's funny, like... And even then, when it comes out, you have some that the mindset towards the likes of, say, McCourt and even Wes... Uh, would be like, well, in the league, they didn't do see, didn't do a huge amount. Like they didn't win this, 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 and this. But then you'll also have other players who would just have the view of, oh, he was an amazing player. He was unbelievable. Like, and, and, and he comes to mind. And I don't know from your own career, when you think of, say, the best you've played against, do you just think of, God, I was on the pitch with him and I couldn't live with him? Or do you think, God, I really respected him because he was a top pro? Like, what are... What are the things that, that come to mind? Yeah, well, I put number one, Paddy McCourt was my number one um, for a number of different reasons. Seeing him, the goals he scored, the way he just dripped past players, turn a game, turn a game in its head. Um, well, having said that, though, I saw um, Brian King, um, I played with him at UCD, no King son, mm. best man-marking job on Pat McCourt up in the Brandywell um, back in 2006, I think it might have been. Um where he played right back, literally just man-marking for the whole game. If he went to the toilet, I'd say Brian King went in after him. It was um, really, really good that day, and Paddy struggled against Brian. But in every other game that I played against him, he was absolutely outrageous, and he was definitely my number one. As for Wes, I'd probably agree with a lot of people. I know like the likes of Stewie Byrne and, and Owen Heary that talk about him during the 2004 campaign and how brilliant he actually was. But I, again, I don't know if he... he he did enough in to get in my top three. Basically, I'm saying he definitely was ten. Um, so that's why I would have a like Wes might be a little bit further down than say the likes of Keith Fahey, who I played with, and where I when I heard that he had signed for Pats, I was like, I'm going to be sharing a dressing room with with somebody very very special here. You've got um, a um, debate as well between I suppose achievements and talent and raw football and ability and. Dan's piece on St. Francis during the week featured, a, I think it was a YouTube clip of the semi-final against Bowes. And I mean, like, it's probably a slightly unfair example, but like, you could not, you couldn't overstate how bad the pitch was. And like, a lot of these players like would have played winter football. Tony Sheridan, for example, I saw a lot of him when, when I was following the League of Ireland. I, I, I actually, I'm not sure if there were three players in my lifetime in the League of Ireland that were more talented than him in terms of what he could do. But a lot of the time, would Tony Sheridan have been more suited to playing in, in, in Italy? Would he have been more suited to playing at a higher level? Because it was hard, I think, for the likes of Wes as well, in a ridiculously physical league, um, to be able to show the stuff. And I think for that reason, you do need to definitely take 
um, consideration of what they went on to achieve afterwards because they were allowed to flourish in a different sphere, I suppose. Well, I don't, I don't know about that, now, Johnny, because I, I was kind of saying the best in terms of my poll was this is the be best ten Zoom. So you were literally nodding at everything I said there, and now you're saying I was wrong. I'm just making sure that I'm, uh, that I'm listening to you because not many people do, Johnny. So I'm just saying that I am he, listening to you. He, he understands <laughs> you. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like if the waiter, if like if like you're ordering in a restaurant overseas and you're like you're you're letting the waiter, you're reassuring you let him know that you follow what you're saying, but you're about to so you, you don't want the special. It's like, you always uh, nod. Yeah, yeah. Like tonight's special is, and you nod your way. Like, uh, Dan, we were on about the uh, off the ball racing World Cups. He had a mate in college and he got in with Eusebio like around 2000 and the interview was conducted via translator. So Eusebio was talking to him like in his Portuguese or whatever and my mate was like, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, Conan, yeah, you're disagreeing there. No, I'm just... Just because, just in the sense of of how like the poll that I did was the best ten players that you've seen play in the league. Mm. So I wasn't thinking about what they did in England, yeah. like what they did further on their career and, and gaining international. I was surprised with some of Dan's um, players that he selected, like the likes of Daryl Murphy, where he only played it. He won the League of Ireland first division. Now he was obviously he's gone on to big and better things. Seamus Coleman, three seasons in in the league as well. Um, he figured high up, I think he was 20th, I think, mm. in, in the list. Um, but he never won anything in the League of Ireland. But yet he went on to achieve huge success in, in England. And probably if you did a, a top 50 league of uh, Premier League players in the last 20 years, Seamus could be up, could be up there in the top 50 rather in, in the Premier League rather than in the League of Ireland. So, um, But I, I get where you're, you're coming from in the sense that, yeah, what they've gone on to well, achieve. It, it wasn't even so much what they went on to achieve as well. I guess, see, like once you introduce so many criteria, you then introduce criteria that you hang yourself with because you basically end end up contradicting your own criteria in other places, if you get me. And I, I would have discussed a bit with Johnny earlier about some of the players that uh, I would have maybe left out. And even what I would have mentioned is, for example, like I tried to place a stock on this and the lads who played, the reason I could justify putting Jack Byrne high up in this, for example, while he played in the league, albeit only one season so far, he played for Ireland while in the league. You know, yeah. that to me was like, that's a big thing. Yeah, I, I didn't include Graham Burke and I should have really, you know, on that same on that same basis because he did the same thing. With the ticket now, with Coleman, as I said, I mean, I did speak to one pretty experienced ex-League of Ireland attacker who said that Coleman was the best defender he'd ever played against in the league, bar none. And that wasn't on the basis of what he did afterwards. It was on the basis of playing against him one there. And I think... I have got a fair bit of feedback probably from, from ex-pros or current pros about, say, Coleman and McLean, uh, Daryl Murphy and that. And, yeah, I can probably understand that maybe under the criteria, should they have been a bit lower? But I would sort of think they should always still be on it because I, I part of my thinking would be, like, they obviously reached a level of performance during their time in the league that these clubs signed them. And that was always a thing for me. Like, Royal Donovan, like, Sunderland paid half a million quid for Royal Donovan. Yeah. Like so, obviously the level he was operating at that time was very high, and maybe being Dublin media, as people would tell you, I wasn't seeing Coleman every mm. week. I wasn't seeing McLean say every week. But you speak to people that played against him, saying these, these guys are the business, and clearly people within football thought that because they paid big money. What for What other players Whereas, came up in that regard in terms of pros were saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, just playing against him, he was different." Yeah, like, were there any that surprised well, you? 
like for example, like and, and see defenders always lose out on these things. Like I got a big, I tried to speak to centre halves and and strikers about people that they were in. Enter. Like I had a few people saying, listen, Colin Hawkins was the top dog in the centre halves, you know, which would have been you would have played against him actually, Conan. Like you probably wouldn't have played against him maybe at his maybe at his best years. It could be it could be disputed. But I played with him. You played with him at which stage was that? Bingo. Oh Bingo. Okay. Yeah. And by like I was only a short spell, but he was he him and Kenny Brown are definitely up there, are the two best centre halves that I've ever played with, like just in just in terms of leadership and control of the back of the back four, he was just a master. Mm, yeah, like there's there's a couple of like players' choices which come up, and probably some players' choices that like I said I missed that earlier. I mentioned Gary Beckett earlier on, who like teammates would have really you know the unseen Neil Fenn, like maybe ones that sort of didn't necessarily grab a huge amount of goals and won headlines, but players appreciate people. Gary O'Neill, mm -hmm. yeah, that's another one. And, but then there was others as well because like there's ones who were very highly rated. Uh, like big reputations, but I, I find it hard to say speak to you about Joe Gamble. Like, what about Joe Gamble? Like, he was the, the big player for a time, played for Ireland, you know, and sort of mixed opinions on him from people that he was very steady and very good, but like unremarkable. But how do you compare someone like Gamble to say, you know, uh, Stephen O'Donnell or something? An O'Donnell, say, you know, or uh, or who, who didn't play for Ireland, you know, or like, so there's no perfect way of doing it ultimately. and I think there is an element of saying, well, listen, some guys had brilliant seasons, some guys did it over a long period of time. But if you, but if you introduce criteria that benefits some people over a longer period of time, and then you leave out others, you leave yourself open to the shit. And I get it, like, but and maybe, maybe in a way, like I like to think that if you have a top fifty list, that you you can nearly put the fifty names you know in a yeah. little poster like imagine like a big one of these big zoom or house park and you want the 50 to reflect the talent that was in the league during that era so you couldn't have it all as the long-serving lads i think having a coleman and mclean in there too it, it highlights to a degree you know the talent that we've had so maybe you, you can say you're a small bit guilty of that and you know and with darren murphy and stuff too on the same basis i had to leave out stephen ward i had to leave out um you know, I, I mean, I couldn't include obviously the lads who just barely played here, but our League of Ireland names like Myler and Matt Doherty and Shane Long and all of this. They didn't play. Sean Williams was one I said earlier. Sean Williams, I, I pretty much had a minute and then I wasn't sure and probably should have had Sean Williams in really, you know, based on like he played. But, but at the same time, when, even, someone out. when he was at Drada, he was on loan. Like he wasn't even playing for Drada at the time, but he obviously flourished. He like, bloomed towards his time at the end of the league and, and Fingal, as you, as you, you know, with no Conan. So it was, it was difficult with those yeah. ones, you know. And um, Conversely as well, you'd have the likes of Stephen McPhail, who um, had a brief League of Ireland career, but was, un was an unbelievable talent before that. So it's yeah, like you've, but there's one you also forget as well. Like someone like Niall McGinn had a season in the mm, league here. Yeah. He had a very, very good season here. Uh, but Northern Irish, bit out of sight, out of mind in that way. You know, he was up in Derry. Like he, I mean, he went on and scored in the Euros and, and played for Celtic. And so he was obviously operating at a very good level when he was here. And like there's people mention other guys who dropped in and out of the league, you know, Colonus of Bose. Uh, uh, he was a proper player. He was a proper uh, player. Uh, uh, but he had a very short time mm -hmm. here. And Bazzy Livingston is like a Pats hero. Yeah. Um, although interesting, I, I was what his one former teammate said to me, not, not to not top 50, like great, very talented player, but now nah, you couldn't have him ahead of, you know, like, you know, they would have had a more cult hero than, you know, 
top 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 class. I'd, I'd say there are a lot of Pats fans who would disagree with that, and that he was he was different level when he was on his game for Pats. Mm. I, so these are the examples. I mean, and there's also ones that, like you know, I said I would have canvassed some people uh, who would have mentioned people like Derek Pender and that, those type of people who Raf Kataro, you know, mm, like twenty years, yeah, Raf played do. for all twenty years, pretty much, you know. Um, and, and even sort of the likes of, um, you know, and your Pats team in 2013, probably Conan, like some of them probably could have, you know, could have had better billing. You know, I know you're, you're, you're modest enough to say yourself, you shouldn't have been, but you had a very good long career. Uh, Ger O'Brien, you know, Birmingham, as you mentioned, you know, Connor Kenna. So it's, it's very hard. Like you, you're, you're offending people who've had great careers either way. And the overall point is that we've had a lot of talent in this country over the last 20 years and like they haven't always all got the profile they deserved on account of you know on account of flaws that we've had uh, and and as ever we didn't probably appreciate a lot of talent that was here until it was gone yeah jay o'shea yeah one. he got a mention from an ex-teammate and yeah. it was that it was after the day and look yeah jay o'shea was excellent superb yeah. yeah he really, really but when he started off at bray he came in the same time as gary mccabe yeah one on either wing and they were absolutely tremendous and then he got to move to Galway and that's where he really went, went took off then mm. and um, like Keith Fahey raves about him anytime he talks about him Jay O'Shea is, is on his lips like he's very 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 good yeah Mark Quigley was an interesting one because we mentioned Quigley earlier and he was in your list and I've got a bit of feedback from people again you know I've, I've said to players I'm not quoting anything you say to me so it's, it's all you know it's all good but I've got a couple of players even questioning the Quigley one um, yet at the same time, I remember Keith Fratty at one point saying around 2008, that year when, when Keith got his move and Pat's had that great run in Europe, that like, Quigley in his eyes was as good as him. Or, you know, he, he, like, he, ability-wise, like he, he ticked a, a lot of the boxes. And like, he went, like, he went, you know, he, he obviously had nomadic spells. He had disastrous spells at clubs. Yet at the same time, like he still played a big part in, in Sligo Rovers winning a league in 2012, which to me is a big thing that you've won a league and you've had a big say in a team winning the league. And he had good European spells of Pats, you know. And that's the one where I think a lot of players appreciate it. But then other players, I think, maybe defenders who get overlooked, who did a lot of the hard work when maybe some of these players weren't, they would, they would maybe, they would see some of the love that these players get and think, well, hang on, like we were doing he's not a fan favourite either though is he Mark mm. no in, in no. terms of my poll anyway I don't like the opposition fans certainly wouldn't be that have played against him wouldn't be voting for him but I played with Mark um, and he was like the stuff that he could do with a ball his strength was just incredible I still haven't met anybody that I can the strength of him and for somebody so slight and um, obviously he could finish he was a, a superb player and the person another sorry Johnny just another interesting one on your list because he's the same team as Killian Brennan and I'm actually interested he's high up on your one because he was a bit of a late addition for me he was probably one that probably wasn't in it and then the more I thought about it and the more I looked into it and you know he got a couple of mentions and then God, like, he succeeded everywhere apart from Rovers basically you know everywhere else he was at okay the brief spell at Drada which was 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 inglorious but that was the sort of the, the final furlong but everywhere else, he was involved with a really good Derry team, a really good Bose team, really good Pats team, uh, and he won loads of stuff. Like, and he was, and like, he I would actually, I would actually argue on him, Conan, that for a fella that was actually so like obviously talented and so technically good, he's actually probably underrated how good he was. 
Yeah, well, like he'd always go on about his time at Derry and say that he lost the league. They, well, Derry, the Derry team that he was in lost the league twice in the last day of the season. One, once, I think, on goal mm. difference. And if he had of those those winning medals as well, that would have been another few strings to his bow. Because he was um, he, he was a fantastic player. He was a real leader on the pitch. Unbelievable moaner, though. Like, he couldn't... <laughs> but he never met anybody that liked him. He'd go over on one side of the pitch and absolutely cane the right-hand side. He'd come over to us then and, and 20 minutes later and cane the left-hand side. But whatever it was, he was just he was just a winner. He was a born winner. And, like, I think his, his career backs that up. Obviously, he had a diff, difficult spell at Shamrock Rowers. He was playing left-back. Um, in a couple of games and they, he really struggled in that position obviously um, but once he came to, to Inchicore he got a new lease of life and he obviously won PFI, PFI Player of the Year so I'd nearly have him further up on that list along like as I said Stephen O'Donnell is, is low as well I think it's because everybody sees the, the entertainers as you say Dan um, and they'll always go higher up the list mm-hmm. I actually have a little trivia question for you Johnny because Dan I think you might know the answer straight away uh, Johnny, only one person on uh, Dan's list. Um, sorry, I'll start again. Out of Dan's list, 19 of the last 20 PFAI Player of the Years are on it. One person is missing. Who is it? Mm, give me a little think about that. I'll have a little think there. Mm. I, know, um, I, I know we kind of, um, you might have had a little think about putting him in. And um, so the last twenty PFAI winners, one of them isn't on it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I have to say, I did lean on the PFAI list a bit when it came to certain marginal decisions. You know, like like the like the fact that the players and you know the players in the league at that time recognised this player as like the best player in the league at, at that moment in time. And I know, obviously, the, the PFAI list can sometimes have you know, popularity can be a factor. Like you know. It was mentioned to me in passing, you know, Richie Terrell might not always have been the most popular player with, with, with opposing pros because he had a bit of a swagger about him and he wasn't necessarily the most popular. Yet he still won, I think he won the PFI award by a record margin uh, the, the year he won it. And he came very close to winning it the year before as well, I, I believe, which was might be <laughs> topical in this instance. Like when he wouldn't necessarily have been like, say, you know, the everyone's everyone's cup of tea necessarily, you know, which probably tells you a lot about how he was at that time. But we'll see if Johnny is... Is, 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 is a Johnny... pass player then, is it? Would have been a pass player, Johnny. I'll give you that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so was the year Pats won the league? Um, year after. Year after? Yeah. Ooh. Think of Eva, Johnny. Chrissy Fagan. Yeah, yeah. Fagan was a tough one. Yeah, tough I... One. I I'd probably have had him in the top 50. I think one of the most natural finishers I've ever seen at any level. Yeah. I think, just proper natural. But again, um, I suppose if you picked 50, you had to leave a lot of people out. Um, yeah, that was that's a very interesting one, actually. I think the longevity with Christie might have might have hampered him getting into your top 50, though. Um, yeah, I think like, that would have been probably, probably would have it's, been. It's there. unfortunate with injuries as well. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's only the, like even if you think of Stephen Kenny, like what happens if Stephen O'Donnell like doesn't talk to Stephen Kenny when he's uh, you know at that sliding those moment in, in his career and he ends up playing Gaelic football? I mean, all these mad things transpired that a lot of players went on different paths because of this or that. And he was Chrissy Fagan. Just if Chrissy Fagan ha- w- was quick, I think he could have played at any level. Mm. 
No, he was outstanding. I loved playing with him. Obviously, he was. Um, we had a great understanding the two of us, and he, he got the twenty goals in twenty fourteen first persons, or Mark Ennis, I think it was, um, to do it for Pats, and it was a huge, huge um thing for him to be able to do that down in the showgrounds than the, the last day of the season. So, and then to go on the following week and and win the cup for Pats for the first time in fifty three years, it was it was massive and. I'm, you know what, I'm kind of a bit disappointed with the way his career has ended in a way because he didn't get the recognition that that he probably deserved. Like, obviously, like I got a nice send-off at Pats um, after my couple of years, but he probably has a bit more status than I did in, in the sense of, of what he achieved. Like, I know he achieved the same thing, but bringing the cup back with his two goals and then not even being there because of his injuries and not getting a chance to, to say Not only to that, Colin, as well, it's that his last um, spell at Pats, or his last kind of scatter of games, he was clearly not playing well, and he wasn't himself. And that's kind of like, it's an unfortunate, it's like a really good horse who was a terrible end to his career, and that's what you remember. like. Yeah, but again, I, I think he went into the down the education route, Johnny, and that's mm. a very, very, very difficult to combine both of them at the mm. same time. And... Um, I struggled at the start when I went into with um, into, into into teaching, and I know from talking to a lot of people, but the bat, finding that right balance when you're not used to it is very very tough. And I know Christy found it tough at that can, stage. Can I get you as well, just on personal experience? Who are the three sort of toughest players you played against in terms of their defensive qualities, uh, or three players you really didn't want to be marking or up against on a given week? Um, well, obviously I can only go by by left backs because mm. I, I played. So, um, in Birmingham and training was always a very, very difficult opponent. Um, and even when he played for Pats and, and Rovers when, when I wasn't with them, um, I nearly more, became a better player when playing against Birmingham. Um, because any time I went out against anybody else, I always felt that, well, at least they're not Birmingham. So, uh, that always kind of gave me the psychological edge then. Um, Danny Murphy at Cork uh, would be another one he was very, very tough to play against. Um, and going back a good few years to uh, Desi Byrne. Desi Byrne mm. was a quality player. Quality said, uh, player. If you were going to have top 50 to organise a night out, I think Desi would be, uh, Desi would be top <laughs> three, I think, that, wouldn't he? Yeah, who would be Rob, the other two there? The, Robbie the, Doyle. <laughs> Robbie Doyle. Listen, I'm only going off anecdotal tales in some cases, but I'd be fairly sure now Desi would be, there'd be no dispute over Desi being top of that mm-hmm. list, really, would there? No. Like he... Even from a young age, I think he showed promise in this department. Stevens isn't on your top three then. Yeah, we see. You see, that's the thing. Like with, with like, Ender was a fantastic fullback. Um, but you asked me the three there, and they were the three that went to my head straight the, away. The weird thing about Ender Stevens was I, I maybe it wasn't maybe I wasn't quite as taken as much notice of the League of Ireland as much at the time. Might have been more immersed in racing or whatever because it was what I was involved in work-wise, but watching that partisan game back, um, and maybe even now he's, he's, his defensive work is still not as good as like a world-class player, maybe whatever, but he was so comfortable on the ball. Like, and I was like, how did I not notice this at the time? When he was like, he was basically doing nutmegs and players, and he was technically like, he looked totally at home. And I had to watch it back on Airsport recently to actually appreciate how good he was even back then. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll let Conan come in because it'd be in, like, I did feel that like the 2011 and the 2016 runs, the Europa League runs, like, you know, I probably would have had that foremost in my mind and almost marking people up that like, there's no doubt that Stevens, he got a move off the back of that. I mean, in fact, the move was done by the end, before the group started actually. But like, he was so comfortable in Europe. Like he played in those European games. Mm. He just, he, 
it probably there was a sign of things to come, even if we didn't see it. Now, one of my earliest memories watching Anna Stevens play is a closed doors game in Bucharest for Pats, where he got destroyed. And if you'd said then, like that, this guy would would be, you know, a one of the top five left backs in the Premier League, or where, which which I think he definitely absolutely. is this season. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, I would have said you're you're off your head. Mm. Um, but like he did do like the, the guys who shone in those European campaigns. But the point is, in fairness, right? There's also a lot of people on that list who never got the opportunity to do that. And if they had, I'm sure they would have thrived. I'm sure someone like Mark Wigley would have done well in Europa League groups, you know, with a European style of of play. And and Liam Coyle, like you know, if 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 he'd somehow been at a team that had got there, and and so that's that's the impact. Like some players just didn't get the opportunity because they were unlucky. At the time that they played, you know, um, but but actually, I, and I, like, I was going to ask Conan before we let him go. Like one of the, one of the things for me, and you played since what two thousand and four, two thousand and five, that it's actually like grading the two decades in a way because there's obviously a view that there is a view that's held by a lot of people that the league was more competitive in the mid two thousands that there was probably at the top end of the league there was a there was a stronger number of teams competing and contending. Um, and, and this could possibly explain why even the likes of Wes and Paddy McCourt were often on the wing for their teams. Like it was such a competitive league. Whereas the last decade maybe would be slightly different, maybe not as competitive at the top. It would be like two teams challenging for the league every year. But there would be a view that like the style of play has allowed more creative players to thrive or whatever. I don't know what your view is on the difference between the 2000s and the 2010s. Good question. Um, it's definitely a lot more tactical, a lot more like a lot more emphasis has been, has been put in the stuff off the pitch, science, the science of, of um, like match analysis, position analysis, video analysis. Mm. Um, that has been just stepped up massively compared to the two uh, the two decades in terms of quality. Yeah, it's difficult. It's 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 difficult to. Um, like I obviously I started off as a young, as a young 19, 18, 19 year old in the league. So and I from where I was, I never played international football. I was very lucky. And I'll always say that I'm very lucky to have the career that I had playing where I was playing low at a local level and moving up to senior level with River Valley and then just going straight into UCDs under 21. So whenever I never got to experience playing against fantastic players at 16, 17, and 18, because like I I just never got that. To that stage of uh, um, as a young fella, so when I came in at that stage, I was playing against the likes of George O'Callaghan, uh, Roy O'Donovan at Cork, Joey and Doe, Wes, um, Owen Heary, and Kev, Kevin Hunt, um, those type of players, and they were just like at and Joey and Doe at the time. I was like, these are unbelievable players that mm. I you know, and I couldn't believe, believe I was kind of competing against the likes of these and putting my wits to them basically. And then all of a sudden, then you're kind of, you're immersed in it. So you don't really think about it anymore. And you're just playing the game and you, you get to know, here are these players that are coming through. Like Ronan Finn came through the same time as me, same scholarship scheme. Gary McCabe, as we talked about, Jay O'Shea, um, Kieran Kilduff came a bit after. And then you're kind of, you don't really think about it. You just, yeah. you just focus on yourself. And it's only now that you can look back on it and you're like, you, you, that actually happened. Fantastic players, yeah. fantastic players that have like the likes of Keith Fahey in, in 2014. Stephen O'Donnell um, has to be up there, one of the best of I've played. He'd be delighted. We're just about to talk to him now. Um, and before we wrap up, I do genuinely hope that uh, 
you know, football is back soon and, um, you know, your career isn't uh, coming to a premature end as well because obviously you've still plenty to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have another um, I have another year left anyway, so um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But as I said, I think it's just the, the safety of the players is paramount. I think that's the most important thing. Um, and I think they just need to be a little bit more, um, play the waiting game a little bit more because social distancing is very important. And if you have 22 players in a box for a corner kick, I don't think... That's safe. Yeah, well, listen, we'll just have to see how it evolves, and so obviously, um, I think, I think, uh, I think those points are very, very valid, and I think people are probably going to have to to listen to them. But uh, it's been great to have you with us, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed sort of our discussions about the list, and hopefully, you haven't sort of fallen out with too many people along the way. <laughs> or something. But uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, yeah, we'll be back soon. Take care, lads. All the best. Actually, on Conan, Dan, where would you put his uh, halfway line goal and daily mount up there with the best goals you've seen in the League of Ireland? Well, yeah, actually, be another one for you now, your best 50 League of Ireland goals. Well, I did have uh, another top 10 player, not, not the two we've got coming up, uh, down. proposed to me, what, what, about a, what about a goals list? You who know? is that, who is, who is that now? It was Owen Heary. Owen Heary like, wondering, like, what would you do a goal? And I was like, Jesus, like, that's... I mean, where would you start? You'd miss um, so many. Yeah, well, see, the problem with goals, of course, is that, you know, we haven't seen them all. Yeah. Which is a bit of an issue. I remember uh, Bobby is, Ryan getting a goal for Galway United in Belfield. That was one of the best goals I'll ever see. No camera. Do you remember? It's possibly one of the reasons why even um, like Glenn Crow had this. Like, as someone said to me, I don't think I didn't get to include the line. Glenn Crow was someone who could like toe poke the goal, the ball home from 20 yards. Mm. That maybe his no all round, his all round range of goals might have just been better than Jason Burns. Like, it would be really, really uh, harsh, mm. you know, and judge, even though Burns had some sensational volleys of goals over the years. Um, but Should've there was scored a, against there was, Evo, though. There, was a, there was a goal that, uh, Dan Crow on the half volley. I remember her well. No backlift. It was a Pat's defensive header, and I think he met it on the half volley Bang. of the top corner. And that was around the time I think he'd scored a couple of hat tricks in the previous couple of weeks. And I'm not sure if we've ever had a striker here on a patch like that. You know, mm. um, you know, like there's, there's only there's only a handful that have but a Fabio will probably tell me he did one too. But mm. like, you know, there was there was a. There was I mean, Jake Mooney had that incredible spell when he, before he went away. Owen Doyle, who he had on, you know, people have had great seasons, but like, you know, Crow, Jesus, like, you know, he, when he was good, he was really, really, really good, and he, he played for his country as well, and actually played well for Ireland away in Greece too, mm. um, under under Don Gibbons. Actually, played well in his in his game uh, when he got his chance. But um, let's maybe move on to our two more members of the list, or, or two. So Conan didn't make the list, although modestly said he shouldn't be on it himself. Um, but uh, two more players who were on the list, two top 10 players, John Stephen O'Donnell and Paddy McCourt. We're now joined by two of the lads who made Dan's top 10 in terms of the best league of Ireland's top 50 of the last 20 years uh, Paddy McCourt and Stephen O'Donnell. How are you getting on? Lads? Good, good, thank you. Uh, I should start, I suppose, by mentioning the big news in Irish football in recent weeks, obviously. Um, Big uh, shake-up in the Irish setup, and hopefully revolutionary times. A man that you're both very familiar with, Rory Higgins, joined the, the setup. What's the crack there? <laughs> Who's that aimed at? Uh, Stevie, you can start. Uh, this this obviously isn't confirmed yet, but I have seen you quoted about it. Um, it's fascinating, obviously, for Rory. Should this transpire, obviously, 
Yeah, you said from what um, it's not being confirmed or that. So, um, you know, obviously uh, Dundalk came out with a statement and whatnot saying, you know, regarding it and that. So it's not confirmed yet, but, uh, you know, Rory, wherever he, wherever he is or whatever sort of football team he's involved in is going to be a massive asset to wherever he is. You know? Why do you see that? Just because he's a very good football brain. Um, as I said, I was quoted saying, you have some players, the less to think about it, the better. You know, they just go out and play. And then you have others that are tinkers of the game. And Rory and Paddy will agree, he was always a tinker of the game, loves football. And um, a, a lad that would constantly want to talk about football and that. And it's trans, um, I suppose, the way, when he just hung up his boots and then just went see effortlessly sort of into the coaching side of it and uh, obviously the analysis side of it when he when he originally retired and came and joined Dundalk uh, you know was testament to that so um you know I've previously sort of uh been under Stephen and Vinny for that matter uh, with Dundalk you know um in both capacities assistant and analysis man you know he's he has a lot of experience for I suppose someone that, that retired quite recently yeah, Paddy, he's going to be uh, if, if the reports are right he's going to be sort of the chief scout and also obviously opposition analysis is he going to be suited to those roles should it transpire do you think well you know I suppose a big confidence boost for Rory would be the fact that Stevens came back looking from you know in such a high profile job and, and they trust him with with this role, I suppose, will give Rory great confidence. And, you know, Stephen has gone back and asked him to try and do it because he's obviously worked for him before, he's worked with him before, and he obviously trusts his judgment in terms of, firstly, players that are going to play in Stephen's team and then, obviously, opposition players that they're going to come up against. So, you know, if it does come off, it'll be a great opportunity for Rory. Paddy, I mean, we, we did a Stephen Kenny special a couple of weeks back, so we're not going to go over the whole thing and, and fold that because we're, we're going to talk more so about uh, other stuff today. But I guess just while we have you here, I mean, I, I did a piece with you last year speaking about Stephen Kenny or he came up in, in passing. And one of the things you said always struck me that uh, he, he felt like he was the, you know, the best manager you'd worked with, but you couldn't explain why. Like with other people, you could explain he was good on this or he was good on that or, or whatever it might be, some particular thing. Whereas Stephen, it was, it was almost hard to explain. But I mean, can you almost explain, <laughs> explain what your thinking is behind saying that and, and how you think he'll fare now? I think what I, I, think what I meant by that is, uh, and I'm sure Stephen will agree with me, is he's got something special it's hard to put your finger on. Now, there's loads of things that he's good at that it's very easy to put your finger on. For instance, he's great at spotting players. He's great at giving players confidence. And he's great at creating a team environment where everyone's pulling in the one direction. They're working hard without him actually putting down any really strict rules. He's just got this thing that he can get players to buy into the project he's doing. Now, the thing I meant that I'm not fully able to put my finger on is that something different because a lot of managers can have them three things but Stephen has got something different that it's very hard to pinpoint what it is but the fact that he has that and he's able to do the three things that I mentioned you know that's made him very successful with nearly all the clubs he's been at yeah, Stephen O'Donnell, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, I suppose, a bit of a boost that Irish football needed as well, without um, downplaying the, the last few years or whatever. Uh, I guess we all needed a bit of a boost and maybe Stephen could be that. Yeah, definitely. Look, um, 
as me and Paddy can only talk from sort of experience we've had with, with Stephen. And, um, you know, I think one thing Stephen will do, he'll pick the right team. I think that he'll pick the right players. As Paddy says, he'll, he'll leave no stone on turning regard and searching, finding players. Um, and he's already said it in his, in his interviews and that since he's got involved, he's going to try and play, you know, a progressive style of football, which... I think was probably the main sort of gripe with the Irish public of the last few years was house maybe well not stagnant or that that's harsh because we've we've had a bit of success but you know I suppose the mindset was we'll keep it tight and um, we're probably inferior to most of the teams we're playing against and we'll keep it tight and maybe hope for the best uh, in a right rigid structure now that that does sort of eke out results sometimes but when it doesn't you, you do receive a bit of backlash and there was a bit of interest gone from the from the, I suppose the, the the normal supporter of, go, of watching Ireland, even on the telly or that, my buddies around the country, it'd be sort of a lot of negative stuff. Why would I was try and watch that? Whereas Stephen's already commented on it, he's going to try and play progressive. And I think you know the public, if they see that and they see players trying to express themselves, etc., and really having a go against teams, there'd be no inferiority complex with the players with Stephen in charge. Can I get so, you on that? Actually, you just said he picked the right players. What what do you mean by that? Well, I suppose everyone has an opinion of right players. What I suppose I mean by that is he'll pick creative players in creative positions, you know, wingers, etc., number 10s, that type. Does people, rather than maybe first and foremost looking at the defensive job they can do as a winger, uh, he'll see how can he hurt teams, how can this player hurt the opposition, and he'll give, you know, I don't think from now on, I don't think there'll be an element of Irish squads joining to meet up with, you know, recognising that the opposition are superior than us. I think they'll definitely have a mindset that Stephen will have drilled in that, you know, Ireland to to a certain extent are as good, are, are as, good as anyone and the players will be going out and they'll be even really believing that they're as good as their opposition. Something that I'm not sure was there in the pre, in, in recent times. Yeah, and on, on, on Stephen, Paddy, like... I think I'm 50-50 excited on the base of A, Stephen Kenny, but B, because of the young players coming through. But is there a danger that we're sort of jumping to conclusions that like Malumbi, Ida, Paris, Conley and all these are going to shoot to the heights? Or are we being maybe unrealistic? What's your expectation for these young players? I don't, I don't have any expectation for them. But the one thing that I can guarantee will happen is they will they will enter the first team when Stephen feels they're better than the players that's there already. Mm. You know, he's not just going to bring them because they've done well for him, the under twenty ones. That's not how he works. Once they're ready and he feels that they can be part of his starting eleven or part of his squad at twenty four, then it'll be up to him to introduce them. Um I can see why there's a bit of hype and a and a bit of hope that he does bring them through and a bit of freshness. But he'll bring them through as I say, as and when he thinks they're ready they become international players and you know as much as I say they've done great for him it's a big step up to go from the 21s to the first team and you know as I say he'll be the man they judge that much better than I could ever judge it because you know I, I haven't worked with these lads I don't know how good they are I've seen them make good strides at their clubs but now becoming a, a sort of senior international that that's trying to break in ahead of sort of senior pros. It's going to be a big challenge them, and but I'm sure Stephen will get it right when the time comes. Want to come in there, Dan? No, I mean, uh, I, I just wonder from your own experience, Paddy, like you would have been involved in European games under under uh, Stephen. 
Um, and I mean, obviously both here would have been very, very famous in 2016, but that Derry run as well uh, was sort of an underrated run, I guess, that the, the one they had, the really successful one where they took Gretna and Gothenburg and, and then went to PSG. Now, I think you um, you would have had maybe one or two injury issues at times in that run, Paddy, but like it was obviously, you know, I, I kind of wonder as a creative player, what, what were the instructions for Stephen to you in those games that you were playing against? I guess, you know, superior teams in some cases in that run, but what was the mindset of the manager heading into that type of challenge? Well, look, Stevie was on it earlier. Superior in terms of players on paper. I ended up travelled on that flight out there and every member of staff believed that we were going out there to win. Mm. Now, they might have been the only 25 people in Europe, but that's the way he made people think. And he not only made it people think that in an unrealistic way, people believed that it could happen. And sure as a bear, they went down, they won 1-0, it was comfortable. And not only that, when Gothenburg came to Brandeville, they beat them again. So it proved it wasn't a fluke. We then went to Scotland and played Gretna, who were dominant in the lower leagues in Scotland and making their way to the Premier League the year before they got the Scottish Cup final. And again, it didn't matter that we had just beat Gothenburg coming away. We were huge underdogs. But again, inside the dressing room and inside the football club, we went there knowing we were going to smash Gretna, and that's no disrespect to Gretna, but we knew we were much better than them. And that's because Stephen kept telling us that. And if someone keeps telling you something so often, you will start to believe it. And after the result against Gothenburg, the confidence was up. And as I say, we went there and we got the job done in the first leg. Came up short against PSG, between all over, over the two legs. But again, and I played in both end games, I was just coming back from injury. Again, we thought we were going to beat them. Mm. Just on that, Stephen, as well, you're obviously early on in the managerial career. I suppose with the manager, if he's telling you these things, they kind of have to turn out to be true or players will start losing faith. Yeah, they do, of course. But uh, that's where the, the onus is on the players also in, in that regard. You know, um, the manager can do so much in regards to setting up the team. And that's the big thing, as Paddy says, the belief. You know, whereas we, when we were playing in Europe, you would have thought that our it would be 90% on the opposition because, you know, these are superior than us and we just have to make sure what's the best way to go about stopping them. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't that at all. It was a lot of it was about us and how we could go and hurt opposition. As Paddy said, no matter who we were playing against, that was, that was his mindset. How can we do damage? We have good players in our own right. Um, you know, and that gives you belief. It does give you belief. If, if a manager's telling... And uh, say Daryl Horgan, for instance, on the left wing, people have paid in to watch you to see what you're going to do tonight, regard when you get the ball and you stand up that full back, etc. Daryl Horgan's going to go out there, you know, seven foot tall, even though he's only four foot, mm. and then um, thinking he's, you know, get, get me on the ball, I'm going to make things happen. Players like Paddy, the exact same way, you know, I'm sure that's that's why Paddy says probably the best manager he would have made Paddy was there was probably no need because of Paddy's ability mm -hmm. but he, he would have just installed so much confidence saying everyone around Derry whenever they're playing at the Brandywell is coming to, to you Paddy you know and that gives creative players especially huge huge belief and at the end of the day you know you can have a solid base and that but it's the creative guys that go and win your games more often than not you know and I suppose the, the other big news in Irish football the last couple of weeks was Dan's uh, top 50. Neither of you actually made the top four, which was controversial enough. Stephen O'Donnell, what did you make of it? 
I was happy enough in my position. Paddy now in the top four now would be a would be Stuart and Kyrie. Yeah, the claxon there in the background. Yeah. I suppose it's always um, a bit of recognition and that, but look, um, I I sort of well aware of the type of player I was and that and uh, in the regards, um, you know, compared to some of the lads on the list, regards uh, I suppose pure natural ability and and getting play, people on the edge of their seat, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have compared. So I suppose a bit of mine is probably due to my longevity and that sort of stuff in the league, but. You know, some it just goes when you go down through the list. Someone, so it just shows you the amount of talent that, that has come through the through this sort of league. You know, uh, yeah, uh, you had the uh, fans on the edge of their seats, and you were passing the ball backwards there early on in your career. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the untrained eye, Johnny. It's all, it's all for reasons. It's all for reasons. I got a few shouts. All right, we're playing the other way, and you know that that's part and parcel. I think it's creeping more in. We're getting. Are getting more a bit more patient. Um, you, but, mean, you mentioned you know, Wesley players like that, obviously. Yeah, yeah Paddy McCourt, the you know, um, say Chris Forrester's, Patrick McElhenney's, all these type of players. Mark Quigley was in the list, you know, one that maybe sort of slipped through the net in regards people not be people's minds eye, but unbelievable ability as well. So the natural talent that's been in the league, you know, over the last twenty years, um, it just goes to show. Um, you know that there is there is so much talent in the league, and you know hopefully we're in an era now. Well, we're in a very uncertain era now, I suppose. But hopefully, when we get out the other side of this, and you know there's there's a sense of a sort of new beginning with the FAI, and that you know we can really promote our league because um, there are some some very very talented individuals in the Absolutely. league. You know, and it, it needs to be sort of, as a product. It needs to be promoted across the country because at the minute the mindset of the League of Ireland would be a negative mindset to the average sports supporter, I suppose, in comparison to GEA and even rugby now, etc. So um, we just need to get out there and get and get sort of um, you know promoting our product because the list that fit the list of the top fifty players and there's a lot that have left on it as you know there's a serious serious uh, bunch of talented individuals at any level. You know, I was only speaking to Rory Higgins about a couple of weeks ago. Paddy McCourt, you know, a lot of, say, what I call average sort of sports people in Ireland and, you know, just not mad League of Ireland enthusiasts when Paddy was playing in the league. Um, wouldn't have known probably about Paddy McCourt in regards to he got his move to Celtic and that. Um, and, you know, Paddy ability-wise, I saw him close quarters probably when he was just coming near, near the end. He trained with Dundalk for a couple of weeks, went to Spain and that, and would hold his own ability wise with any player in Europe and I'm not even joking, I you can talk top echelon for natural talent and that pure ability in tight areas and that there's you know, I've never seen anyone like him and would hold his own with, with the best of the best and you you sort of ex Celtic players that played with him and that um say the exact same. I've seen a few podcasts and that and they'd be laughing about Paddy Paddy McCourt's name come up laughing about his ability. So for Paddy to play on these shores for a few years, now, lots would know him, but there'd be a lot of sports fans and, and, and football fans on, on this island that, that wouldn't have seen Paddy play and that. And that just, we have to eradicate that and we have to get people seeing these talents. I suppose this is the opportune time to say, Paddy, how did you not make the top three then? <sighs> you, need to have a, you need to have a chat with Dan. I'm glad Steve, <laughs> said a lot about me. <laughs> um, no, look, we were... Uh, 
I was speaking to Dan actually before he done it. He, he, he just texted me for just my three, which I'll keep confidential. But it was going to be it was going to be a difficult task to please everyone, and uh, I think he's done a good job. But I agree with Stevie. There's a few um, there's a few players that that I believe were were um, exceptional players that, that that maybe offered that something differently. A football team that I'd probably move up the list a wee bit, but. You know, I suppose there's all different types of criteria that had to be met. So, very difficult job. And no, I thought, no, as Stevie, as Stevie said, greatly look back at the you know players you forgot about that even played in the league who were who were top top players. And, you know, again, if we can, you know, get through this sort of sticky period that we're going through and and somehow turn it into some kind of positive and. Maybe rebrand the league a bit and, and get it out to a wider audience. Then, you know, hopefully that'll work in everyone's favour. Well, um, I mean, Paddy, I will say in my defence, I think you were the highest non-league winner on the list, and this is one of the things like that. You know, one of the the, the he's squirming, Paddy, he's squirming. No, no, not, not <laughs> this is the longest I've heard him not say anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's because the Stephen O'Donnell's longest answer of all yeah, time. Yeah. Generally, you get him after a match and he gives you around 10 seconds yeah. and moves on. Yeah, you know? it's sort of nonsense. <laughs> he's, 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 he's out of the GEA media training mode now, mm-hmm. like so he's in a more relaxed environment. No, like the, the thing about someone like Paddy is, and Wes as well is that they moved on quite naturally. Like that actually they, they, they had a, a shorter, sharp spell compared to some of the people on the list who were here for like you know, 10, like the top three would have been Heary, Joey and Doe and Glenn Crow, who all would have had, what, 10, 12 seasons in the league, you know, or, or more in the case of, uh, of Heary. Um, but the one thing I'm interested in asking you, Paddy, and one thing that I actually really struggled with was, so like you played initially, what, 2005 to 2008, and then you came back and you've worked in the league and a coaching, well, playing initially in coaching capacity uh, the last couple of years. How do you compare those eras? Because I think it's 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 difficult. Like there's a view that the, the league was really strong in the mid two thousands, um, you know, but then there was obviously a lot of boom and bust in terms of wages and inflation and so on. Versus now, where we've had maybe um, there's, there's a gap between the top and the bottom of the league would be a view. I, I don't know what your opinion would be on the league now versus the league you played in with Rovers and Derry back in the day. I suppose the the obvious thing that would stand out to me was. You had probably at the start of the season, you had probably five or six teams that people looked at and went, if either of them or any of them get under some kind of run, they're going to be hardly stopped because th- there wasn't that, as there is at the minute, huge gap between Rovers and Dundalk. And then there's maybe four or five teams, maybe including my team and Stevie's team, St. Pat's, who are trying to close the gap. And then there's another few that are maybe favourites to, to start relegation. This is all before a ball's kicked. And the way it's been sort of panning out the last few years is that's how it seemed to happen. Now, it was more, I suppose, hard to call when I played because you had good Shelburne team, you had a good Bohemians team, you had a good Drogheda team, we had a good Derry team, and you had a very good Cork team. So there are five off the top of my head that, you know, anybody could have, could have won the league before a ball was kicked. So I would say that to answer your question, that's the biggest difference in the league at the moment. There seems to be bigger gaps between the clubs that are expected to challenge the league and the clubs that are expected to, to, to sort of fight relegation. Mm, I suppose a lot of that's down to European money as well, Stephen. 
Yeah, obviously, um, you know, I suppose the Dock and Rovers be the top two teams at the minute. Um, you know, the, 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 both squads um, have, have had that period of stabilisation where quintessentially it's been the same squad barring obviously like any ingoings and outgoings it's been the same squad barring a couple of different people personnel coming in each year so they've had that you know real sort of base and fulcrum for the last few years whereas a lot of the other squads have sort of been um, from year to year there's been a lot of turnover so kind of a lot of the other teams are starting afresh each season you know um, whereas Rovers and Dundalk have had real stable squads the last, you know, Dundalk probably there's still a core there for, for years that have, that have been there from the start, you know, probably Sean Gannon came in the second year, if Dane Massey, if Andy Boyle back now, you have Brian Garten, and they're, they're all there for the last six or seven seasons, you know, so you have that, you have that core, Patrick Hoover was there at the start, now he's back, Shamrock Rovers have been building the last four or five years, so they have a core now, and um, you know, every other team sort of been starting from scratch each season so it's up to the other teams to get a core that they're happy with and then be able to build build brick by brick you know and then hopefully be in a position then to go and challenge you know so that's that's a task of that's all about squad building and, and not just thinking for the short term trying to build build a squad and build a team for the long term that you can go out after them after them teams and compete and that's what it'll take if if you keep sort of massive turnovers each year like there has been with a lot of the other teams, um, you know, you're always going to be sort. It's going to be somewhat of a of an unknown quantity come to start to the mm. season each season. Baby, when you started off in the league, um, and you came home first, um, I guess you know who who did you fear playing the most? Fear is maybe the wrong word. I'm not saying you were like afraid of playing anyone, but but like you know, was there a particular sort of player, your midfielder, you're coming up against, and you were thinking, yeah, this is going to be a it's going to be Tell you, I hated too. playing against Dave Mulcahy. Really? Yeah. I hated playing against him because he was powerful midfielder, you know, um, and he just he was just quick. He was powerful and quick. And, you know, he just had that sort of, he'd run around for 90 minutes nonstop and he'd just be all over you like a rash from, that's from stopping you kind of playing from a, a footballing uh, perspective. There's been a lot of good footballers, but... The one that would be Dave Mulcahy would have been the one where I'd say Jeepers in for a tough night now of basically just him being all over you and bursting onto second balls, etc. Just pure natural, natural strength, you know. Um Kilkenny man and that so the the hurling and that sort of came out in him and he'd just be all over you. Um who else? Uh, central midfield wise, you know, obviously Cork had a good midfield uh, back then. Um Joe Gamble and Colin Healy, Gareth Farley, I remember played, he was playing down in Cork at that time. Um trying to think Derry were always good. I remember we went up to um we went up to the Brandywell. We drew one we drew nil nil one night in the Brandywell and got like it was the biggest pummeling I've, I've ever received in the League of Ireland and we drew nil nil. Um God rest them. Uh, Mark Farron actually stopped the ball on the line for us. Uh, you know, in the goal we were defending, it just hit him. The ball was going in, but they must have had 20, 30 shots. And I remember being on the phone to my brother, walking up onto the um, up on the bus, onto the steps of the bus, and he said, "How'd the game go?" And I said, "Oh, we got absolutely battered." Probably use stronger language than that. And that, Rob, and then Pat Fennell was just sitting at the front of the bus, and I said, "Oh, I could be in a bit of trouble here if he heard me say that." He just looked at me and gave me a little smirk and a wink. So that tells you itself, he knew himself that and we got out of there with a point. So 
Derry were a very good team, excellent team. Like you sort of never liked playing against Derry because you had Garrett McGlynn that would always sort of, you'd have Paddy obviously, and then you'd have Garrett McGlynn coming in off the line on the other side playing as a little sort of a little number, a little sort of right sided number ten in behind your midfield. So they were the kind of first team that I up against that would try sort of a little overload in midfield. He wouldn't play it as an out and out winger. Uh, Garrett McGlynn he sort of come in behind your midfield in behind you and pick up them little pockets and you know uh, Rory Higgins and that would find him in there so that made made midfields sort of play um, your job awful tough because sometimes you come up against 3v2s in there with him coming in off the line so um, you know you had a lot of good team and what I probably found more than anything was most squads they were men they were all men mm. uh, whereas now it's very much sort of a young league uh, our league uh, regard player wise and age wise whereas very experienced kind of men a lot of squads had you know real experienced pros so and even physically you know a lot stronger you know it's a lot different whereas we're more of uh, maybe a breeding ground now which is very good you know it's a great place for young players to come up and they'll get their chance in the League of Ireland playing proper competitive good games in front of crowds now what about Ndo? Joey Ndo yeah sorry left out tell, Joey Ndo yeah tell me about uh, playing against him yeah, again, strength-wise, uh, there was a, one game played against him at Dundalk. He was at Sligo. Uh, ball went in the air, and I said, I can get you know get close here and try and win something. He just got his got his backside into me, and I didn't get him within two or three yards of the ball. Just pure natural strength, you know, holding you off on that. Uh, again, great feet, and that wouldn't have been a brilliant funny. Wouldn't have been a brilliant striker of the ball actually, as regard technique-wise or that, but. Great feet and just strength and great imagination. Uh, you know, do the unorthodox. You know, obviously, again, you know, he's been one of, one of the real top, top, top players. You know, you would have come up against. I didn't play against Wes over here, but I played against him in Scotland when he was at Livingston under Paul Lambert when Paul Lambert was player manager just before I came back. So even then, he joined Livingston. We're struggling, and um, he played actually wide right, just coming in onto his left foot and that. You know, it was excellent, but was their best player by, by a mile the day we played them. Mm-hmm. Paddy, um, obviously, I think if, if the list had been pushed back to the 90s, uh, you know, Liam Coyle probably would have been top of it, and he's a sort of a, a godlike figure to the Derry fans. And I'm just t- I'm just, yeah, and he only had one knee for a large part. I'm just think, I mean, obviously true, Harry, like there would have been a, you know, you, you would have seen him play, but I'm wondering, like, you, you would never have shared a pitch with Liam Coyle, right? I'm just trying to think, did you ever even get to have a kick about him or, or was Liam Coyle always someone that you just watched? I've only played um, one charity game, right? one or two charity games. Um, unfortunately, I never got the opportunity to play a competitive game with him. Um, I suppose that's a big regret of mine because when Harry played there for a couple of seasons, it was him and Liam that played up front and, I think I was only 11 or 12 at the time. So, you know, just starting to really get that real love of football. And I always remember just having that real sense of jealousy of not being able to get on the pitch. And it was something that I really wanted to do. And, you know, starting to get to an age where you start to realise that you would like to become a professional footballer. And, you know, Harry stayed two years. I'd still try to get back to the dairy matches as and when I could. But... You know, by the time I got there in 2005, Liam had retired a couple of years earlier, but, you know, his legacy lives on within the city and within the football club. And, you know, you only have to look at the, the, the goals that he scored and the record that he's got in terms of longevity as well for someone who you know, had well-documented 
injury problems and a, and a really a really bad knee from very early on in his career to you know to stick with it and, and, and get as many appearances and as many medals and you know as many years I suppose out of the games I credit them as well. Just on uh, sorry then just on Derry there like what is it about Derry? Is it is it the fact that it does it have a street football kind of working class culture that it just produces these like the stream of players coming from Derry and even right now if you pick the top eleven current professional footballers from Derry, you have a seriously strong team. Like what is it about Derry, Paddy, that has just produced these players? I think you've had the nail in the head, Johnny. I think it's um I think it's to do with a generation of, you know, especially the one you're talking about with, with probably Patrick McElhinney and Aaron McEnough and Michael Duffy. They're probably the last of the street footballers in my opinion. Um, you, you'll still get a select few that play regularly in the street, but it's certainly not the way it used to be. And you know, I was asked a question the other day in a podcast I'd done about, you know, would you swap your upbringing for now a more sort of structured coaching upbringing? And my answer was definitely not. But I can understand why that one is in place now, because they still have to be getting their hours in terms of contact time with the football, because they ain't doing it on their own. Someone else has to put on a session, put on an environment where they come and they're getting their contact time with football. But in terms of myself, I remember going to my boys' club maybe once, twice a week, very, very maximum for an hour. But I was out in the street maybe five, six, seven hours a day. So I was getting constant contact time with football. You know, Liam Coyle would have been the same in the Brandville. Patrick grew up in Santala. Patrick McLaughlin, similar to myself. Michael Duffy was from Gaila. Arn was from Karen Hull. So you've all these lads that have all came from council estates around Derry who would have been playing football for hour after hour after hour. Yeah, and on that CV as well, um, you know, thinking of a Brian Clough documentary where he said, you know, I grew up in Middlesbrough. We basically had nothing, but I had such a happy childhood because I was playing football. And, um, you know, obviously the lockdown has kind of forced people to think of it differently, but it would be very sad if that culture of your upbringing, jumpers for goalposts, just playing with your mates were lost. Yeah, but I think it is phasing out, as, as Paddy says. I think I don't see, you know, when you drive by estates now in the green areas or whatever, you don't see as many kids out um, out playing. I know it's it's a common phrase, but it's right. It is it is right. It's computers now and a lot of social media, all that. That has taken over sort of sort of kids' lives. And even you yeah, see little kids uh, watching is it YouTubers or that that type of stuff. Whereas, you know, we were outside playing, um, you know, playing playing football basically from noon to night and you're called in for your dinner um, you know school finished you go outside and you, you, you play football that was it so that is definitely being lost um, you know there's no doubt about it with technology now it's just kids would prefer to sit in and, and play computers and, and be on social media and that because that's a reflection of kind of the world we're living in at the minute a lot of it is sort of um, artificial and you know what can I get out on social media and how do I look on social media, you know, you can't just go a bit further. You can't do a good deed now, I don't think, without mm. plastering it all over social media, you know, to let everyone know you've actually done something decent. So, you know, it's the same in regards to uh, playing football and that. No one goes out anymore. They're just playing computer, Fortnite or what, what not, and, and, and on social media. So if anything comes from, from this, any sort of positivity comes from this, it could be that that people don't take it for granted anymore being able to go out you know being able to see your friends um not being locked down in the house you know having your sort of freedom of leave of leaving the house and, and going out and about and maybe getting back playing you know so 
if and when it does when this all when this does end but um that's just the generation we're living we live in that's the that's the way life's going unfortunately because in my mind it was a better time when we were younger growing up and and a more innocent time where when you're a young lad growing up all you wanted to do was play football and go out in the green with your buddies and pick two teams and, and get it on in the green and play till, till as I said, you were called in for your dinner. Dan, I don't know if you asked Joey and Doe, but I imagine he had plenty of football in his childhood as well. Oh, I'd, I'd assume he would. I'd assume he would have. I mean, I, I actually want to flip back to the dairy thing just briefly with Paddy, because, I mean, the the time, like, your 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 first like your first spell as a player at the club, um, it's kind of funny, like, people talk about the great teams of the last sort of 20 years, and the natural ones that spring to mind are the Shells team, the Dundalk team, you know, the teams that did this and that, you know, one more than one league. And I suppose, like, you know, since I've even put this list out, that I've had a bit of response of people about, you know, Gary Beckett and Barry Malloy and some of these players that have been forgotten. But you, you do probably forget that that Derry team like, went to the league, went to the final day of the season two years in a row, you know, 2005 and 2006. And I guess it could have been a very different story. I mean, is that sort of a bit of a lingering regret that that team didn't win a league because they came as close as you could, really, twice. Well, I think we're very unfortunate because the year we lost the league down at Cork, we actually broke the league record for points. You know, Cork obviously broke it as well because they, they beat us in the last day. Now, personally, I think because we had six games in Europe that year, I think that probably cost us a league because if you look back at results, I think we had two draws on Friday nights after playing or on the Sunday evenings after playing on the Thursday night. So, again, that might have been players not used to playing two, three games a week. Mm. You know, we were still sometimes training at four in the evening because the likes of Gary Pickett and Peter Hutton still had jobs. Now, most of us were full-time, but there was one or two who still, you know, were part-time. So, I think we're unfortunate that they won the league. We won numerous cups and, you know, had success, reasonable success in Europe. But, you know, when I look through that, that, that group of players and I look at the great team that Stevie's just finished playing on at Dundalk, the Shelburne team from our era, you know, I, I our team would have matched any of them. Now, we probably didn't have won as many trophies, but, um, you know, without doubt, the, the, the standard of player and the quality of player within that group of players is at a high level for this league. Who were you looking to in the dressing room before a game and thinking, God, I'm, I'm glad he's in my, I'm glad he's in my dressing room. Like, who were the, the players you looked to within that group for inspiration? Well, you had a great, you had a great mix of of um, youth and experience. You had, you know, more experienced players like Ed McKellen, Peter Hutton, Gary Beckett, Sean Hargan, who been at Derry for a long time, all local guys from Enniskillen, but you know he'd been at Derry a long time. Then you had a mix of young players like myself, Kevin Deary, Barry Malloy, Rory Higgins, Kieran Martin had come up a couple of years previous from Sligo, who was about 23, 24. So, you know, we had a real mix of of uh, youth and experience. But, you know, Stevie touched on earlier, although a lot of the boys were young, they were like men, they played like men, they trained like men, and they, they really didn't take much guidance in terms of how they had to conduct themselves on a daily basis. They they all wanted to be the best they could. And, you know, having the likes of Peter Hutton and Sean Hargan and Eddie McKay and Gary Beckett there as well was was always great. They they chat to them and, you know, with David Ford and Nets who 
went on to have an amazing career. So, no, again, it's probably a bit biased in my in my behalf. But when I look back and I even remember being there at that time, and again, it's probably the confidence that Stephen had had running through us. You know, we when we stepped on the pass to play against anyone, we we went on there thinking we were going to win the game. And, you know, it is unfortunate that we didn't win the league because I think it was a good enough team to do that. What's the morale in Derry at the moment as well? Because obviously, you know, you've Duffy and and McLean in in the Irish team. You've a former Derry manager taking over. Derry City have, you know, I would, imagine, I would argue have made really good strides in the last sort of year and a half as well. And you've a lot of young players coming through. What is the vibe in the city? I suppose, Johnny, like everyone else at the minute, it's everything sort of on hold. There's a there's a bit of maybe worry in terms of not knowing when we're going to get back to football and I suppose a wee bit of uh, apprehension in terms of, you know, there's talk about getting back in the next month or two, which, you know, will be decided by the powers that be. But, you know, certainly before all this happened, there was a real good feel-good factor. As you mentioned, the, you the, the few dairy lads that are within the Republic squad, the season went quite well for us last year in terms of Derry City and then Stephen obviously at the time was being announced as the next you know Republic of Ireland manager so you know there's a lot of support here for for Stephen to do well and obviously the, the boys within the squad have, have always had the support of the people. Yeah, what about uh, Pats at the moment Stevie? What's your start of the season? It obviously seems a long time ago but um, yeah were your early days of management? Yeah, I suppose um, two wins, two defeats. So, uh, you know, it's our, that's self-explanatory. Some good bits, some bits I'd be very happy with. And then obviously other bits, you know, that we need to improve on. We're under no illusions. We need to we need to get better, you know. But what I do have is a group of lads that do want to get better uh, attitude-wise. And, uh, and everything I've asked of them, they've been, they've been brilliant, you know. I suppose such a, a big turnover squad, like I was just talking about previously, it was all. It's always going to take time to everyone to gel together. Just it's not like a light switch; you don't just flick it on or off, you know. So, uh, I was well aware of that. Um, the games, you know, we've played well in patches, and obviously, uh, and and other times, you know, we need we need to improve. We probably need to give a proper, consistent, very good performance over ninety minutes. But there's there's been periods in each of the first four games that have been very positive, and. Um, you know, it's given me a glimpse of of, of what, what you could create there. So um, it's been like the results have gone. It's been 50-50 start in regards, uh, not not very disappointed, not disappointed and not ecstatic, somewhere in between. Um, decent, but, you know, a lot of levels to go up and a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, we're, we're all aware of that. But as I said, the, the players themselves, the effort they put in in pre-season, and that's who... Probably, I'm, I'm, I'm most, um, you know, feel for the most. Stand that. I was just going to bring that up. Actually, how difficult is this for players? Because it's so early in the season. If this happens late in the season, and if you work your ass off to get to a level yeah. of fitness, blah blah blah. And you know, your Pat story, the story of this Pat team, is so in its infancy, and all of a sudden, then the whole thing's thrown up in the air. Yeah, as I said, look, small problems compared to one mm. the problems people are going through at this time, you know, across the country, but. That's who I feel most uh, sorry for as my group of players that, um, you know, the effort to put in in pre-season, it was tough pre-season when we came back at the start of January till the first game of the season. They really put a, a massive effort in to get themselves into as good a condition as possible. And then for this to happen, you know, um, and probably 
whenever you sort of start back up, you're you're obviously going to have to have another preseason as such. So you know they're the ones I feel I feel the most sorry for with the effort they've put in, and you know now the predicament we're in, you know I suppose the whole world's in and across every step, sector. There's so much uncertainty. It's just it's tough for everyone. But as I said, you know they're sort of minor problems compared to what a lot of people are going through. Yeah, Paddy, how are you finding Derry in that regard with the lads? Similar, similar to Stevie, it's it's um, they've been given a program, they've been given their GPS units, they send them their stuff into the into the fitness coach every day. So, you know, there's there's really not much more we could do until you know the powers that be and the FAA and FIFA and UEFA whoever come up with um, a plan when that's safe to do so. So, you know, we're just doing we're just making sure they keep taking over fitness ways. You know, the manager's in constant contact with them. They make sure they're okay. And, you know, that's all we can do at the moment. Just on that, so, they, like, I've, I've spoken to a couple of players and they've a couple of players have been very praising of the PFAI in terms of looking after them. What's the actual vibe among the players? Do In general, do they kind of just want to get back playing? Look, I, I don't speak to them as much as Declan. He's the manager of a football club. Um, I rules maybe more behind the scenes. You know, the feedback he's getting from them all is they're itching to get back. I suppose they have to under and they do understand that there's um, there's there's bigger worries than that at the minute. But you know, footballers are, are very much like that, Johnny. They just want to play football, you know. But I suppose this is such a big thing that they are all understanding that there's a, a greater concern here than you know. We'll just have to be patient as a football club, as a league, as a country, and. You know, just keep listening to the guidelines and, you know, hopefully when it is safe to do so, we can all get back and we can all get going again. Yeah, I mean, Stevie just, I mean, like, exactly. And I appreciate that, you know, Pats have taken a decision. It's not the easiest thing to sort of go into in big detail. But are you just in that wait and see mode now as a, are you, you're almost, are you just following the news like everyone else? Just I think wait to see like, what comes. Yeah, you know? if we're being honest, I don't think, and through no fault of anyone, I don't think anyone has a clue. Mm. Uh, in regards with any great certainty of what's going to happen you know um, I think everyone's taking it day by day and week by week um, as far as our lads are concerned like very understanding I couldn't praise them enough again um, you know the, the way they've dealt with everything they're very understanding I think because everyone sees sort of how serious the situation is from a health point of view and you know when you see the figures from countries all across Europe and the world of you know the amount of people dying etc you know they do all want to get back everyone wants to get back playing football but I think you know they're, they're well aware of how serious sort of uh, pandemic it is and you know from my lad's point of view they were very understanding and you know totally get get the whole situation in, in that regard real sort of mature them and you know, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination what 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 they're going through or what we're all going through. But you know, from 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 that side of it, you know, they've been they've been brilliant and totally understanding. And again, the work they've been doing sort of since we broke up in regards, like Paddy was saying, individual training programs, that type of stuff, and and sending their data in, um, you know, has been brilliant. So you know, their attitude has been top class. But it's just. The uncertainty, I suppose, more than anything of, you know, from a football point of view of when we can return, there's, there, you know, nobody knows. And it's very hard, even from a, a coaching perspective or that, to when you sort of, 
you can't plan for anything really. You can't plan to give players, you know, to start ramping them up to sort of get them get them prepared to come back into training or that because, as I said, nobody knows. It's just finally, lads, before we let you go and return to the original team. I know Alan Cawley's done various stuff. He's asking people to pick five-a-side teams. Like, we're not going to do that. But, Steve, I'll go to you first. And, Paddy, if you could pick one player from the last 20 years in the league, if you, like, you pick one player, you're playing a game and you're told you can take one player from the last 20 years, he'll be on your team. Who, who would you take? You can't pick yourself either. The two best players, I didn't come up against one of them, but I did in Scotland. The two best players, I think, that have played in the league to, when I think would be Paddy and Wes Hoolan. You'd, you'd be happy with them on your side? Yeah, I think, yeah. think you'd have half a chance we just get a back four and, and a little two little holding midfielders or that. <laughs> two boys Paddy, who would you take out there with you if you could? Look, it's again... Looking through the list, some fantastic players, but someone who I rate extremely highly, and you know, Stevie's work with him, and I think he's just an exceptional player. He's been unfortunate with injuries, and you know, he was unfortunate when he went to England a couple of years ago. With the, from my opinion, the club didn't suit him, but um, my, my choice would be Patrick McElhinney. I think Patrick on his day is just a joy to watch. Get him back to Derry. <laughs> I, we can't afford it at the moment. You know, we don't have all the big, we don't have that European money. But look, for me, just to answer that question, exceptional talent, and you know, on his day, as I'm sure Stevie would agree with, he's, he's as good as anybody. It's on that list. In your list, Dan. God, he was down towards the the forties now. I think that'd be a bit of a controversial one, but his work isn't done yet. That's the mm. thing. Like he's his his career is far from. From over, I mean, what, he's, no, 27. Look, I, he's 27. I can, understand, I, I can understand why you love him where he is, but I'm talking just natural ability, just a one off game. Yeah, you know, if, I, if it was just a one off game tomorrow and I just needed that song special, then you know, he'd be the boy I'd pick. I guess the, the fine quest for you, Stevie, of all these like Derry Grace, and this would be a tough one, who was the hardest to actually know what he was saying? <laughs> I'm not bad. My father's from Donegal, so I'm I've I've a decent enough ear for the accent, so I'm all right. I'm all right. The speaking code now, Mickey Duffy and Patrick McElhenney when they just want they're, they're speaking a little bit of code when they wouldn't want you to hear what they're talking about. <laughs> and Jarvis as well, yeah. Jarvis, yeah, gee, Jarvis would be maybe smoke a smoke screen or something. <laughs> Lads, thanks a million for uh, thanks, coming lads. on. Um, really looking forward to getting football back at some stage and uh, enjoy the rest of lockdown. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right, thanks, lads. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Paddy. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Top man, yeah. Paddy. Thanks, thanks you. Cheers. Yeah, uh, Dan, this is kind of absolutely mad, but we did start this podcast over three hours ago now. So we've put in a shift, and I know you've been busy, um, but I hope people enjoyed it, and it was great getting the three lads on and. Uh, um, just kind of great to hear Paddy just, and just Stevie clear, at the we, end of the we, we did have some breaks just because people are wondering. feel like we did actually, yeah. hasn't taken three three hours, but um, Paddy and yeah, Stevie, yeah. I mean, two absolute top talents, and again, probably like as 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 Steve as Stevie said at the outset, like you know, Stevie's more the longevity angle than the sort of you know the wow factor. You know that Paddy had, whereas Paddy had a shorter spell at his peak, but he was just extraordinary. You know, and 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 like you have to, 
I mean, some players are just so special that like it's been, it's been I've had people say to me why was Cork even in the top 10 but it's like how many players do you remember will you remember watching them play why were they why was he even in the top 10 yeah I've heard that I'd, expression I'd just ask from, if they would all immigrate please yeah but like that expression has been put to me just mm. on, that's because it's just probably on the basis of achievement you know and, and that's the thing like and by introducing so many criteria people will naturally hone in on, on one thing and as I said I don't like, think he did a bad list, job in fairness even the list of players that I said I left out there's people who won absolutely loads of stuff mm. you know and as I said I mentioned them earlier the likes of Piers and Bulger and you know Conor McCormick Carl Shepard were both involved with I should have used general teams. for one of them 50 What's well. Missed, missed a lot of words like general should have been oh, listen, you know, you the were, general. You on your game there at all. No, but like, tired. Stephen O'Donnell was a general. He was a general actually. You could have mm. done with him. But, but then, like I said like you know you, the ones I mentioned a couple that were in in and out of the league briefly enough and, and even current players were probably hard done by because you feel there's more to go to come from them and you know we, who knows how we'll speak about the likes of I don't know McAniff or Lee Grace or Sean Hoare or people if they spend the whole rest of their career in the league and they end up with sort of multiple trophies like they'll, they'll come into the thing naturally and as I said Burke like I, as much as any players that should have been on it like I'd nearly say I'd, I'd have to criticise the Burke thing because he, he because of his Irish stuff even though his honours list would be modest you know and um, Who's the hottest prospect in the league at the moment? Danny Mandroyu. Danny Mandroyu. Yeah, it depends. Like, I, I mean, it depends how. Like, you, you, I feel like Mandroyu is obviously still quite established. I mean, mm. like, I mean, Jack Byrne is still the 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 the, the player that is generating the most comments. But I mean, Jack has turned twenty four, so mm. some clubs during would, the week, wasn't it? Some clubs would view that as more of a negative and. For prospects, they would want to talk about like the 18, 19 year olds. And that's what I was, I was looking forward to seeing Luke McNally play this season because I, I know some people who know their stuff would, 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 would think you know he'd be right up there. Very high um, in the list. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, yeah, like he, he, he's in mind. Who's that? Ferruja. Ferruja, actually. I mean, if you're talking about one that people in the game speak about in terms that he could go. He could reach the level of of some of the sort of ex internationals that we've had, or internationals we've had through the league. Yeah, Ferrugia got a clear run. He ticks a lot of the criteria. Best, that best under twenty one team, uh, best best like best players eligible for the Irish under twenty ones to play in the League of Ireland at the moment would be an interesting team. Yeah, and there's a lot of good players that said you know at Bowes. Um, you know, there's 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 some buzz about one or two of the young lads at Derry mm-hmm. as well, actually, who are coming through in the next generation. We didn't really get to go into that with Paddy, but. Hopefully we'll get get back again. I know Jack Malone, but there's a couple of others even lower down. Um, so I I don't know. It's actually a hard one to, to think. I mean, even someone like John Matten, if he gets back from his injury, oh absolutely. Jesus, John Matten, he is one man who has benefited hugely from oh, there's, this there's, when you think about it. There's occasional winners. Mm. Like, there's, like, there's, there's there's some people who who thought they were going to miss. You know, Joey and O would never have happened only for this. Be named the best player in the League of Ireland this century. <laughs> Joey and Doe and John Mann, the Sligo Rovers connection, yeah. but both. Benefiting. There's a lot, but I suppose the question is, and people are listening to this, and we are recording this. When is this podcast going to end? We are recording this on on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. So I am conscious in these times that people are listening to us at very different intervals. You could be listening to this, you know, a week on from us 
discussing this topic and, mm-hmm. and the whole matter of, of closed doors football and where it goes. We've obviously had the initial draft document produced by the FAI this week. Draft is the key word. You know, clubs have been asked to provide feedback. There's, there's a lot of holes in the draft, to be honest. But um, the view has been put to me, listen, at least they're trying to do something. And I sort of accept that. It doesn't mean it's more realistic that's going to happen, but they're at least looking at something. Mm. Now, the draft means nothing without figures, ultimately, and um, you know the, the, the FBI are being asked to come back with figures later this week that they might necessarily have the, the FIFA figure, which is the key one, because the, the key thing that I keep hearing from people involved in discussions is that the FBI, why are the FBI so keen on this? Why are they pushing this closed-door scenario so much when it doesn't look to really make much sense, Right. But the argument would be that the FBI seem to think that they're going to have financial assurances that would offset the financial concern. Now, initially, when I spoke about this, my main issue was, well, this will just never work financially. Clubs will lose too much money. Uh, as the whole crisis has naturally developed, and we've just learned a lot more about distancing and spreads and transmission. And some people knew this from the start. Some have just had to learn. Um, it's now really the health issue. The more you think about the health issues of how it would operate, mm. um, you know, how players will be tested at such a level when you have professional part-time and amateur clubs within the league, when you have professional part-time and amateur players within the league and volunteers and administrators and officials. Whereas I looked at the protocols that FIFA Pro have sent out to players worldwide and one of their big things is consistency of application across all stadiums and levels within a, a jurisdiction, I guess. And that's a big problem that we're going to face here and um, I'm not saying that to be negative. I want football back and as much as we all want football back. Um, but at this moment in time, uh, and as much as I hate predictions around when things will be normal, I think it's safe to say that even if these guidelines do become relevant, they may not be relevant for some time. But it's, it's worth having the discussion. I have no problems with the discussion, but even the volume of, of, of ex-players that have been on social media, I see people today, Liam Carney, Barry Ryan, um, Alan Keane have been on to me just on publicly on Twitter there. And, you know, there's, there's obviously a player view that, uh, that, that this is possibly going to be very hard to work and, and current coaches in some of those cases, of course, as well. So, um, I know you're more positive on it. And no, like, to be honest, I'm positive on the potential of streaming as a stopgap, but I'm I've no idea whatsoever about the potential for contact sport. That's nothing to do with what I was saying yeah, because yes. looking at that list yesterday, it's like having a shower individually and all this. Like, what are they going to have? Like cameras in the shower? How do you police all this? It just sounds there's so many things going on. It just sounds more and more impractical. Yeah. On the on the plus side of the street, like that Sharon things. Stone movie Sliver back in the day it was just voyeurism. Nice to get Sharon Stone in at the end, but um, and a bit of voyeurism. But the, the other leagues are falling like flies anyway. That's the only thing. So we might, might if not the only show in town, we might be one of the only shows. That's, in town. See, that's well, that's that's not an incentive ultimately. Like that's that's not really. I'm not 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 for the contact sports. Athlete. No, I don't. I've no idea what's going to happen there. I, I'm almost certain racing will be back next month. As for team sports, I've no, no idea. No, I, I don't. And like I said, I touched on it earlier with Conan briefly. I actually, the one thing that's killing me, it's annoying me, is people actually making definitive predictions. Mm. I don't think it's constructive to say, mm. let's scrap it for 2020. Mm. And the reason I say that is not just because that that would be sad. And what about Europe? You know, then? And, what? What about Europe? Where no, no, but it's, Europe isn't a mad concern for us at the moment because we have our we have our European teams for the next European season, mm-hmm. so we we have to work up. But like that to me is the key thing about people 
the language they use about, say, we should just call a halt to it. Like, the leagues that are calling a halt to it at the moment are all winter leagues. Mm. They're not summer leagues. So, uh, and I'm from the UEFA end of things, they will be looking at leagues working in tandem together to some degree. I don't think they would have taken too kindly to say leagues making unilateral calls that might have caused domino effects in other leagues, as much as governments and public health officials in every country supersede the views of, of football. I guess, I, I guess, I guess my, yeah, yeah, no, sorry, let me yeah. finish my point. My point is that we have to look at what other winter leagues are doing. And I know that mm. they're in different, sorry, other summer leagues are doing. I know they're in different climates in some cases, different measures, different procedures, but we're not going to, it would make no sense to me to abandon a season, all the contract chaos that would cause, all the That's uncertainty the, would, the contract would cause, chaos, absolutely. that like, you know, a situation where you're making every player in the country nearly un- unemployed in, in a weird way. I know some w- rich clubs might be able to keep them on, but that would be rash. Now that might, in a weird way, it might suit some clubs who don't have players that they're particularly attached to at the moment. Mm. But um, that that isn't a reason to do it. Um, and I think that like the 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 ultimate consideration is what's best for the industry overall. Now at the moment, it's clear within the current restrictions and guidelines that this is what what's being proposed is not going to be safe for. Or provide enough security or safety for people. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that those guidelines in three months' time aren't the guidelines that mm. form the basis of a return because we don't know what the restrictions are going to be. And the whole point is, and I think Stevie said it, we don't know. And anyone who claims to be an expert, what's going to happen, is Spoofer. in my mind spoofer. Yeah, you know, I, that, I, I, I would say I would say that right. Football is basically. Football is the is the players, right? The players are what make us watch the game, and I'm very confident the players, within reason, want to play, and the referees want to get back, and that's at least a starting point because they're the people most at risk. Oh, they do, but like I mean, again, players want to play, as Paddy McCord said. Like players, of course, want to play, um, but again, all players are in different positions, and in fact, I've heard contrasting reports about the desire of maybe players who aren't 100% full-time. Yeah. So, uh, again, like, everyone wants to be back. Like, there's not anyone out there is thinking, I'd love for this to continue for a while so I won't have to won't have to put the boots on and put the feet up. Like, clearly no one's thinking in those terms. I mean, this is part of the structure of their life. Um, but I, I think, obviously, like, professional players want to look at the glass half full scenario mm. as well because they're missing it and this is their structure and this is their thing. But like in many respects, like the players' views are important to a point, but they won't, the players won't be able to decide if they come back. Mm. It will, it will, it's going to be made above them. So They have to want to play them. Yeah, but as I said, like we'll, we'll probably know more whenever we return. Um, that, but I, can, I don't have an issue with the FBI, I have to say, trying it. Um, but the draft document they put out wouldn't be in anywhere near good enough to, no. to to believe that it's possible. But who knows? Maybe all the feedback that comes back creates a discussion that um, that allows us to look at it later down yeah. the tracks when 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 the situation isn't as clear. Because I mean, as much as I'm very much opposed to closed doors football, and I was from the start, if it's a case that the financial side of things can be covered. Um, and I'm not against the idea of closed doors football eventually, but it's obviously somewhere. It's it's not it's not coming around the corner initially. But if if it's if it, if that's the alternative to no football in 2020, then I think people would have to look at it very seriously and see are the measures there. But again, 
it may well be that we have a different scenario for the Premier Division and the First Division. I'm not sure how it's going to play, but uh, I, 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 just, I see way more problems with we've amateur players and people in other jobs and industries, and I don't know. It's it's fraught with difficulty for me. Do you know the the bad thing is if there were a behind closed doors game uh, played in Ireland tonight, there would never be as much interest in an Irish football game. No, but like that that's the same for a lot of other things. You know, like people would people who've never watched. Um, Shortland Street. you know, water polo would probably watch it if it was live on RTE tonight. Like, mm. it's 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 a factually correct statement, but it's not an incentive to come back. I, I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I don't think that just because you want something to come back, or just because we would like more people to watch our games, um, that's it's it's it, to me it's sort of a moot point. And actually, like I also make the view that I want when people show and I go on about this all the time about backdrops. I wouldn't be so sure that our closed doors empty stadiums would actually, yeah, a lot of people might watch the first one. Um, if it goes wrong, it could attract a lot more eyes and a lot more derision and could do more harm than good, actually. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be viewing that as a guiding principle for anything. But in terms of streaming potential for supporters subscribing, I see where you're coming from. But, I, feel you know. like, yeah, I, feel, I feel like I've played a game of football, actually. This pod has uh, taken a bit of... It's sapped my, my ailing energy, Dan, because we've given it all we have. We've given it all we have, and we'll be back thanks soon. To, well, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. I know um, these are strange times, and we're not talking about any game, so we do appreciate your uh, listening in, and we hope we didn't uh, go on a bit, particularly with my uh, top 50, but... Uh, Good, good to have the pod anyway, Dan. It is, son. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. We'll talk to, we'll talk to everyone soon. But there are limits to your life.